All right, all right, all right. Happy Monday, everybody. TGIM, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Tuesday somewhere else. Nah, it's Tuesday somewhere else. Might be Sunday somewhere else. <laughs> uh, today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. Visit manscaped.com. Use promo code WISENUTS. You'll get 20% off. Free shipping. Your balls a thank you, or as the wise nuts say, your nuts a thank you. Again, visit manscaped.com. Use promo code WISENUTS, and you'll get... 50, uh, 20. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus. I almost, I almost, I almost shit the bed. <laughs> You're paying the difference? Yeah, 20% off and free shipping. Yeah. Also, uh, we do have a giveaway going on, guys. Um, if you go to our Instagram page and uh, share the link, tag three people. We're giving away the beard trimmer set, ball trimmer set, and the body trimmer platinum set or uh, a professional set. So, uh, Rich will be sharing. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think we might by default share one with Rich. So, yeah, I think we might have to give him two of them because one of them might break down in the first, uh, <laughs> first on the second shoulder. <laughs> the second shoulder. You know, but what what I noticed about the beard trimmer? What I've been meaning to mention it. Like other beard trimmers I've had over the years, you trim it. You pretty much have to bring in a house cleaner too. Clean up all, yeah, this thing somehow the hair. I don't know how it just falls in the sink. Well, I've noticed. You guys remember how my beard was a little bit longer than yeah. not not rich long, but yeah. it was a little bit thicker. I noticed when I was trimming it down, a lot of the hairs are caught in the actual yeah. uh, the guard. Yeah, and then once you just like tap it once, all the hair falls off, and then you just continue. But I, to be honest with you, like I said, I'm not being biased. It's probably the best facial and beard trimmer I've ever used. Rich so the, needs to get himself one. The three million dollars paycheck doesn't make you biased, huh? I mean, no, 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 not the three. Not at all. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Three million. What does that do for us, bro? It's three million in after taxes. Tumon. We made like six hundred thousand Iranian Tuman. 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 Which is, I love it when Bars guys speak in. Yarasun million. That's a lot of money. Then I do the math. It's like four hundred forty-seven dollars and thirty-eight cents. Yeah. <laughs> They, they've been living with inflation. Yeah. <laughs> We're just getting inflation there. from the Persian Empire. Yeah, bro. It's funny. Like I had, I've had, I have obviously uh, Persian Armenian cl- uh, not clients, but coworkers, and throughout the years, like the two month with them, every time they talk about like Iran, like first it was it was fine, like oh yeah, we're gonna go to Iran and get some money. And as time has gone, it the Tuman has been just collapsing worse and worse. I think it's what is it at now? It's at like four figures, five figures, right? No, 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 not that bad. It's I like I haven't checked up on. Well, my when you say five, I, I guess yeah, fourteen thousand, like fourteen, price. fifteen thousand, yeah. something like that, right? Yeah, I don't mean like I haven't like, even seen a Tuman, much less know what I, it's I think, worth. I think the transition from from Manscaped to the sorry from Manscaped to the Tuman <laughs> has been my favorite <laughs> intro you guys have had, like. No way there's any second. We tend year. to top ourselves every yeah. week, Rich. It's it's cheaper to leave your money in Iran than to try. <laughs> By the time you bring it here, you can owe a couple hundred grand. You know, I know I know family members that literally moved here thinking they're just gonna bring money from there and live for the rest of their lives. And these people got a rude awakening, bro. Mm. I you see any anytime anybody complains about America, you just send them to another country for like a week and tell them, you know, just don't live as a tourist. Live as an actual civilian and you'll realize how blessed you are to live in this country. My buddy Albert's in Armenia. Until further notice. Until further notice. Uh, my buddy Albert's in Armenia. He sent the most hilarious video. So it's basically uh, a taxi driver with this beat to shit taxi. Like I wouldn't, 
I, like if somebody paid me to sit in it, I wouldn't sit in that taxi to <laughs> drive somewhere. And the guy's literally sitting in his taxi and Albert's, you know, he's recording it and he goes up to him and goes, he goes, Father Lovis, as Kai Howard, he goes, Arayish Lampatilim Gorshka. He ain't lying. <laughs> but like he no motivation. The guy's basically just sitting in his taxi, not worried, not giving a shit about what's going on. Uh, and you know, complaining about life. But you know, we love it. We tend to digress. We went from Tumon to Armenia to this. But, so Guys, Rich Elmoyan is here with us. Uh, third time coming back. Uh, we want to thank you for taking time out of your Monday to be with us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me as a veteran. I feel like <laughs> after three times, I, I I need like some like glowing star that goes. We're gonna around hang me. your jersey. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're gonna start well, a raft. Retire you. <laughs> bring your law school just, jersey. <laughs> I think the second time you were here, I was absent. Right? Yes, you weren't here. Where was I? I have no idea. COVID. <laughs> COVID. Can you even say that anymore? So I was like, I was like thinking, I'm like, that actually might be it though. Or was like I that actually, no, 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 no. Same no, thing. That's fucked up. Come on, man. You're wearing an Armenian <laughs> too. jacket. As it both takes super long to get there. Come on. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Really? Rich is about to get a text message right now. Two, two <laughs> weeks, two weeks to flatten to curve, guys. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. But, uh, the, the past two times you were on with us, we talked a lot of geopolitics. We talked about uh, Artsakh. We talked about Armenia. We talked about Russia. We talked about Ukraine, all that stuff. So uh, obviously, not only, you know, the three of us, but a, a lot of our viewers were actually mm. uh, sending us messages asking, you know, can you ask Rich this one question? We were like, what is it? What is it? They're like, can you ask him why he's not posting any more geopolitics? Uh, reels and mm. videos and um, doing the whole shebang with the what's it called uh, mapping and all that stuff so you know what happened why 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 did you shy away from that yeah no and, and this is something that I've been like kind of you know battling with myself and also with my friend group around me right like I feel like I've constantly evolved so much in the past three four years and trying to see what I can actually bring to the table and what can you know provide for me as well um, unfortunately, what I realized was the energy, and, and I hope people understand this um, beyond the podcast, it's like the energy you put into something, as much as you love it, you want to look at it bringing back some kind of benefit where it's either people are learning or people are understanding what's going on. And I felt like my efforts were not being either reciprocated or being really understood to the point where action was being put. Um, and when I kind of saw that it became just another social media thing where things were getting shared and shared, but people weren't necessarily changing around me, I started realizing that I have other places that I can put my energy into, um, as well as, you know, as you climb up the ladder of whatever it may be, you start entering through certain doors. And I realized that it wasn't necessarily for me, even though I put my life into this since 2014, all the way down to 2022. Um, I was focusing on how Armenia's geopolitical situation can get better, right? Focusing on South Caucasus affairs, focusing on Russian foreign policy. That was my life for, what, eight years. And then I looked back at it and I said, I also have a career in basketball. I've represented Armenia in basketball. I have been a part of it since 06, the Basketball Federation of Armenia. I moved here to, excuse me, I moved from the United States to Armenia, competed there, came back, realized what was missing over there. And now I have this 
unique opportunity to kind of understand how Armenia can accelerate as a state and as a nation and as a society outside of the nation state through sports, which was my dissertation in college, Soviet sports diplomacy. How do, how do the Russians use sports diplomacy in an age where the Soviet Union is no longer around? And, and that was my dissertation. And now as I'm entering the space, I'm realizing that I can add a little bit more to the table, adding on to the experiences that I learned through geopolitics and understanding how Armenia can use that to its benefit, because that's something that transcends borders and genuinely brings people together behind a common goal, which is Armenia. And you don't, it doesn't matter what political organization you're part of, doesn't matter what youth organization you grew up with, at the end of the day, you want to see your team win. And at the end of the day, you don't know what's going to happen at the end of that game. And you will root for them until the very end. So that's why I rejoining the sports community. I, I say the word rejoin because I feel like I walked away from it a little bit, especially after my professional basketball career didn't go the way I wanted it to um, with choosing university instead. And that's kind of why I kind of moved away from geopolitics because I realized that people were burnt out. I had two panic attacks myself because of all the videos we were seeing during that time. I realized that, Hey, if this, if this is going to be a part of my life for the next 40 years, going through content that is the most gruesome thing you've ever seen and people are not necessarily learning or acting upon it. I don't think that's my place. And then that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened there. And I, now I kind of reply whenever people can and whenever I can, but. But the passion is still there, Rich. Oh, the passion is still there. I still provide, excuse me. I still contribute to scholarly research on my own time. I still connect with the news agencies whenever they're looking for a map to be made or something like that. And I gear them towards the right people because naturally I'm still connected in that mapping world, but it's, it's just the energy that I put out. I realized sports just, it makes a lot more sense. And you, you kind of help with how people should be thinking. I mean, it's the same thing of like decision-making in a very, very high paced, excuse me, decision-making in a, in a quick time, quick time frame. It's like, it's hard to do if you're, kind of constantly talking about something that the past 30 years hasn't been really taken care of past a hundred years. We don't even know what the next five years look like, but in sports it's very easy to identify. Okay. Our goal is 2028 Olympics, right? Like that is our goal. Same thing with world cup. Okay. Our FIBA world cup goals are X, Y, Z. It's, it's very clear and how to get there is very clear too. Um, but constantly answering questions as a 26 year old from people that may be older and not understanding the industry very well or, or the field or the research. It's often a lot of, a lot of pressure. And oftentimes it's a lot of um, energy being taken into an area that oftentimes it's kind of like, it's not even, I can't control it. I can control basketball, but I can't control a lot of forces above. So but yeah, that, to answer the DMs that you've been getting, Arno, that's the, <laughs> that's it. But um, they mean to make it depressing. It seems no, no, I'm happy, guys. Not I'm not a captain. Not. I promise. Yeah, we're we're just yeah. listening. Uh, you know, as far as how and why the decision was made. Obviously, we've all been involved in sports at some point in our life, and yeah. we know the importance of sports. Right? It brings people together. It teaches kids competitiveness, teamwork leadership, discipline, how to follow instructions, right? Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, benefits to sports. So, yeah. Um, but I, but since we're talking about basketball, I'd love to ask you the, uh, 
the question about, in your opinion, who's the goat in basketball? Ooh. Oh, great, in basketball overall? Time, yeah. We're not talking, we're all just time talking or basketball or? overall, right? All time? Well, yeah, and we're not talking about golf or anything else. Basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I, yeah. WNBA okay. included. Well, GOAT isn't, means all time. Yeah. Correct? Yes. It Make sure you include WNBA in there. Yes, I will. Okay. Um, well, that, that changes the equation. So I would say the GOAT, in, in, in my humble opinion, because I have, a, I, I have an outlook on this. Look, 80s, 80s and after is where I consider GOATs. Yeah, I personally and, and a lot of NBA heads and a lot of basketball and I hope Rex understands where I'm coming from too because he, he's a he's a oh, he's gonna get he's gonna he's get a the same wizard when it comes to this he's stuff. gonna get the same oh, question. Yeah. How old is Rex? What like is he in his forties? Okay, so yeah, so my, my age group. Kind yeah, of. Yeah. So so I would I would say the best player of all time is going to be Michael Jordan, and I will say mainly off of this, Michael Jordan came with a clean canvas. There was no nothing like Michael Jordan before him. Kobe learned from Michael, and that's obvious. He he even has admitted he he's admitted this many times. Yeah, his I mean, game was very close to Michael. Kobe, game. the first time he shared a court with Michael Jordan, was asking him questions. That should yeah. tell you a lot, yeah. right? Um, so when, but in terms of who the best player is, in, in my experience as as a kid growing up. I would I would say Kobe Bryant because I saw that firsthand. Yeah. I didn't really see Michael Jordan unless it was the Wizards, and and that's a tough thing for a kid to really understand unless you have a father that's really an adamant Jordan fan, right? Yeah. Um, but even my father, my father's best like favorite player was Petrovic from the New Jersey Nets. Oh Petrovic. wow, really? Really? He was go, he, okay. Petrovic was probably one of the closest people as far as he was the yeah. European Michael Jordan. And for bonus though. Yeah. He was, bonus was yeah. Amazing. Unfortunately, yeah. Petrovic did pass away. He yeah. died. Um, he passed away in a car accident. <laughs> yeah. Right? It was at the peak of his career. Yeah. And that. he was really? not That's the one the, that was driving. He was a small either. player, right? He was, he was, he was in a big he was, six, he was a, six, 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 five? He was a guard. He was a shooting guard. He, he was a guard from Yugoslavia. Yes. Correct. Then when Yugoslavia collapsed, he was Croatian. He was Croatian, and th- I, I know this very well because Vlade Divac, the Serbian guy, right? Yes, yeah. Him, oh, I remember. Vlade him. and, and Drazen had beef after the Yugoslavia collapse. Possibly. Oh, I don't know that story. Yeah, yeah. so so there's there a major, in, for those interested, actually, look into if, you know, if geopolitics and sports are their interest, look at how they used, the Yugoslavs used sport as a way of pushing uh, the envelope. Yeah. Of the best of the best. And and that's kind of what happened after their 1990s, you know, war. A lot of these Croatia, Serbia, Slovenia. If you look at all the players today, they're, they're I mean, all the best players. I mean, Doncic. Was it, wasn't Kukoc from there as well? Kukoc was Kukoc, there as well. Yeah. Um, there's a Kukoc lot of great players that came out. Jordan. Well, I don't know right? if, we, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but if you watch the last dance with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, it was during the Olympics where Jordan and Pippen knew about Kukoc and they said, we're going to shut him down. And that's what they did. They shut down Kukoc, which was, he was basically known as one of the best European players. But ap- after the game, Jordan and obviously the Bulls and everybody else said, okay, we're we, gonna get this we guy. need it. We, yeah. we got to get this guy. And they won three championships. With I, I want to hear your favorite players. Maybe not the uh, greatest, not the not the but, but Ghost, can I, can I, can I, your favorite player before, moment. before you say that, I'm going to, I'm going to give one stat and this is a stat that a lot of people probably don't know about. Can I guess it? Which one is it? Are you going to give me that Michael showed up at the final six times and won every single time? No, 
Oh, no. I think that so, everybody knows. So, <laughs> so listen to this. There's a stat. Uh, it's four basically accomplishments. It's MVP, Finals MVP, first team def- defensive player of the uh, of the year of the year, and then the scoring title. And these four categories have only been done four times. Have only been won four times in an, in one season, and all four times have been by one person: Jordan, Jordan, LeBron. Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Jordan. Sorry, yeah, Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, LeBron. Yeah, of, of course. You know what? So listen to this. Yeah. So picture this: like Jordan did it in '91, and then nobody else did it, and then Jordan did it in '92, but nobody else has still done it. And then Jordan did it in 96, but nobody else has still done it. And then Jordan did it in 98. And we're in the year what? 2000 and what? 23? 23. Nobody's still done it. Nobody's done it. Clean sweep. But, but you know what's interesting? Because I, I was watching the uh, movie about Michael Jordan and his contract with Nike last night. It's called Air. You guys should check it out. It's on Amazon Prime. When the Nike sales guy, basketball um, shoe sales guy, was trying to get Michael on board, you know, everybody was... A, against it phil knight who was the founder of nike was even not so much against it but Hesitant. they didn't have the budget for it mm-hmm. he's like you know we're making all our money is coming from the running shoes we can't really focus because michael wants to go with adidas he's already with adidas you know converse was dominating yeah. at the time yeah, wasn't converse the yeah. main shoe for converse basketball? was like 60 percent had the 60 percent of the uh basketball shoe market at the time which nike ended up buying converse in 20 2003 Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. Yeah, no, but what was what was interesting is when <clears throat> when this guy, his name is Sonny, he approaches the parents of Jordan. Uh, the mother was the one who was having the meetings and the conversations with the uh, with the uh, representatives. When the mom asks for a percentage of every single sales of Air Jordan, she, Sonny said, "Well, we've never done that. I don't think we can do that." She said, "Listen, we're not talking about an ordinary player." My son is going to be the defensive player of the year. He's going to be an all, all-star MVP, finals MVP. Everything that she said and then some, he accomplished, which yeah. is crazy that the fact that Jordan was 18 years old, the mom was already pitching that to Nike yeah. to convince them to give him, I think it was 10%, 10% of all of our Jordan's. <laughs> that's sick. Yeah, which generates... <laughs> Four billion a year now, Damn. so that's four hundred million that Jordan gets from Air Jordan every single year, just by existing. Yeah, just by you just know. Bro, he look. You see, the thing is with Michael Jordan, you look at Michael Jordan as an overall player. Yeah, I mean, the guy accomplished six NBA championships, uh, MVPs, Finals MVPs, Defensive Players of the Year, scoring titles, all this stuff. You can't deny the fact that even outside of the game of basketball, he changed the culture of the game. Yeah, it became and, and you, a. And you're saying culture. Sorry, I, I have to mention. And, and at the same time, I want to answer the the question that you mentioned, like of like who who was the players of my, I guess my generation that kind of. Yeah. I look at players that kind of shifted the culture a little bit, but in areas that it's not obvious like Allen Iverson don't get me wrong in my generation everyone was wearing either Allen Iverson shoes or Carmelo Anthony shoes because those were the cool guys right they looked cool yeah, the, yeah. um yeah but he played well too he man. played well too I mean don't get me wrong but practice. they were the cool guy yeah <laughs> talk about practice um but Vince Carter is the guy for me that made me want to play basketball a lot more really Vince Carter Vince really? Carter and and I'm talking about 
all the way down to Vince Carter saving the Toronto Raptors franchise. Because remember, Vancouver Grizzlies closed up. They couldn't pay the taxes because Canada's taxes are high. They couldn't pay that. So they moved them to to Memphis, a very small market. I mean, Memphis should not have a team. Let's be real. Nashville should. But Memphis is the market that they went to. Why Toronto a smaller market though, just because of taxes. Because well, you Vancouver is a huge market. I mean, a huge market yeah, with huge taxes. Canadian man. taxes. You have to understand yeah. why there's only one or two teams there. there um, remember, it's a sense. socialist country, right? So I mean, but when you when you look at like you know Vince Carter, how he was able to kind of save the Toronto Raptors from from going under and selling out Air Canada Center year after year when they were mediocre. Yeah, without um, him, you wouldn't have the champions and. I would even say Vince Carter made some decisions in his life as a basketball player where it was so beneficial to his personal career that it actually messed up his professional career, like going to his University of North Car- Northern Carolina, uh, what is it, North Carolina uh, graduation instead of practicing with his team in a game six against 76ers with Allen Iverson. Excuse me, game seven That's against Allen Iverson. <laughs> he flew to North Carolina, wore his graduate hat, graduated with his mom next to him and everything. He, by the way, had a college scholarship for being a tr- uh, trumpeteer. Vince Carter had two scholarships. One was for basketball. One was for music. By the way, before you left this get triggered, trumpeteer is actually. The, I was just uh, going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah trumpeteer. Huh? Relax wow. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just want to so tr- trigger warning. That's Sorry. So funny. Um, but but. That's so funny. Watch, parents are going to take their kids out of Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trumpeteer <laughs> classes. <laughs> yeah, they're like, son, you're no longer playing the trumpet. Trumpeteer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but Vince Carr was one of those players for me, and then the other player for me was Steve Nash. Ooh. So so the reason the reason why I'm bringing up he was Steve Canadian Nash, too. No, so Steve yes. Nash is Canadian, but from South Africa, I believe. So he uh, he played for the Canadian national team, but he was South African by uh, isn't, origin. Isn't that where Elon Musk's? Yeah, that's also where Canadian to South Africa kind of <laughs> connection I mean, there. Com- what are they? They're both Commonwealth under British. Under the British, if I'm not mistaken, if no, South Africa is right. still there, yeah. um, I know South Africa was dipping wow. out. So technically, Steve Nash is African American. Technically. technically, yeah, he's gonna get reparations when it's all said and done. <laughs> is he living in LA? Yes, <laughs> move to North. <laughs> um, but not to get political, by the way. <laughs> California's never owned slaves, but they're asking for reparations in California. Dude. Uh, okay, so Vince Carter, Steve Nash, and then. The third one, because you mentioned three, right? Yeah, three, three. Vince Carter. Oh, you know what? I have, I have to. Yeah, I, have I feel to go like you're this. gonna say Duncan. I don't know why. No, no. no. Duncan was in his era. You're close though. Mono Ginobili. Ooh, yeah. Mono Ginobili. Yeah. That Mon- European touch is so, where you're going. Oh my god! I mean, there's so many. Like Mono Ginobili. The reason why I like Mono Ginobili so much was that he. I kind of had. I related to him. Whenever you hop on the basketball court, no one's really guarding you because they didn't think that you're going to be anything crazy. Right? White, white, white man it's can't a good jump. Feeling. I mean, but like <laughs> Mono Ginobili was the same. He had that long hair until he went bald. But he had that long hair, and then he showed up. Him, Parker, Duncan, like starting a dynasty. Like Nobody that doesn't make sense. It, yeah. it, it just it simply doesn't. Make, the timing the had Virgin a lot I, to do with it too. Man. <laughs> I Who mean, did? Timing. Oh, oh yeah, but it, it was it was that Europe it was that yeah. European flair that entered NBA basketball because Parker was French. Well, there was Nowitzki, Parker, and Ginobili that were kind of like similar, but Nowitzki Euro- came in ninety six or ninety seven, if I'm not mistaken. And Parker came at two thousand, and Ginobili came in like ninety nine or two thousand one, something Again, like that. It was that it was that not late nineties yeah. European kind of flair that entered into the NBA, mm-hmm. which again. 
that changed the culture of mm. basketball as well. Because you look at a lot of European players, smaller players, smaller players, yeah. and they're and they're shooters, man. All of yeah. them are shooters. Even Nowitzki. Nowitzki is like what six nine, six ten. Nowitzki is seven, six one, ten, no. probably <clears throat> six eleven. Well, he's not even seven. No, no, he's not seven. I don't think he's seven, but. The guy could shoot shoot the lights out. He's like a he's like a joke of uh thing, um, Jokic, bro. Mm. Like he, he was he basically uh, Nowitzki walked for Jokic to run. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're correct. Like if like you know what we forget also is like the technical aspect of these things, right? Like what people realize is that Nowitzki, yeah, Kukoc, yeah. Petrovic, yeah, these guys are great, but you have to see what they brought to their country, right? Kind of like how Mkhitaryan yeah, for, yeah, for, for Armenian, Armenian sports, soccer. right? Or like right now, I would even argue as what Rex Kalamian is doing for the Armenia basketball yeah, team, right? Like definitely. you have a person that has extensive background in this specific industry and you're allowing the door not to open, but you're allowing growth, which is much more op- much better than opening a door for a few people, right? Yes. Which yeah. is the 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 benefit of like having a bunch of Luka Doncic's, Goran Dragic's, and all these guys with the itch last names that are just entering the league and kind of taking it by the horns. It's it's. Do you think we'll ever see IANs and YANs in the NBA? As far as you know, the Golden State Warriors drafted Gorgian in the seventies, right? I remembered it. Yeah. So we I think have Henry had posted about that. And he was a CV legend and now Australian national teams head coach. So we've had Armenians that are quite successful. Um, However, with major asterisks given, and and this is with no disrespect whatsoever, back then they would have seven rounds, I believe, or or five rounds of, of draft day. So it was more players getting drafted. Now, with that being said, yes, Connor Asijian is a player that I believe is going to get to the NBA. He is at Wisconsin currently. Um, and, you know, we're currently working to try to get him to work with the Armenia basketball team. Um, Connor knows he's Armenian. Connor is from Indiana. Um, so Indiana. Indiana, yeah, he's, he's from far away. But he's playing at Wisconsin. He's already on people's, you know, uh, scouting reports. So there, there will be. And Andre Spite, let's not forget, played for Denver Nuggets G League team, Wisconsin Herd G League team, um, Gary Chavichian with the Clippers. Still so, playing. Chavichian still, still playing. Still he's, has a good chance. He still has a good chance. A lot. I mean, look, uh, it's just you have to make them realize that they can work in this field. I mean, e- even even when I was 18, 19, most of my cousins are telling me, like, you're going to play basketball. You're going to work in basketball. Not even play basketball. Like, you're going to work in basketball. I'm like, that's the plan. They're like, what are you going to do? But we, but they don't teach. There's scouting. There's video coordination. There's sport. There's there's offense. There's defense. You know, like there's so many areas that you can get into if basketball does not work out, right. which allows you to get into that easy transition into the corporate world because you enter the corporate world. But half of these athletes are like so coachable to the point once they go to the corporate world, they're like, that's it. That's easy. Well, you have to look at it this way. These basketball teams. A lot of people look at them. They're like, oh, well, it's a basketball team. It's a basketball team. No. It's literally a corporation system. It's a cor- It's a business. That's what it is. You have the front end, the back end. You have uh, management. You have all just so many moving mm-hmm. parts in a single basketball team that a lot of people kind of undermine. Where it's like you have to understand that. Okay, if I don't make it as a player, I could make it as, you know, off some something in the back office. Maybe you know, like you were mentioning as well, uh, something as far as an assistant coach, help head coach, man. Whatever it is, so mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of I agree. 
small things that a lot of people kind of ignore. By the way, the Lakers are down 104 to 107 to Denver, and there's three minutes left in the game. I think I, I think uh, Rex texts me. He's like, hey, <laughs> just just a heads up. Stall, like, you know. Stall the boys. <laughs> Not stall the boys. Well, I may- told him I'll stall No, that. no, 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 no. He's, 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 he's good. So let, let Maybe me they can win it in How nine. about we well, ask you guys too, man? I want to I wanna, like, hear what you you have to say. As one far ten, as your favorite player. 110-104. You growing up, who did you like watching? Who's the well, guy that you're like, oh, dude, this guy's. I mean, guy's- you, I, I loved watching Magic. I loved watching. Michael Jordan was obviously God. Yeah. Because sure. I grew up with Michael Jordan. You know, the 92 Dream Team. Yeah, that was. I, I was twelve years old. I was at my prime. I was, I was born four years after that. Yeah, I so, was nine <laughs> years old. <It> was like, <laughs> thanks for rubbing it in. Thanks for rubbing it in. And 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 at twelve years old, I, I probably was playing thirty hours of basketball a week. Man, but true. But as far as my game goes, I, I I obviously didn't have a game. My game wasn't like Michael Jordan. My game was more like Sean Kemp. So I enjoyed mm. watching Sean Kemp because that's my dad's customer, by the way. Is he? Yeah, it was. Uh, so Sean Kemp was who, and a little bit David Robinson too, but mm-hmm. Sean Kemp was who I played like. I was, mm-hmm. you know, throw me the ball, I'll, I'll catch it in the air and I'll dunk it. That, that a was powerful. Sean Kemp. That's yeah. A good one. Yeah. Like, get, ladies like, and gentlemen, we're talking about elementary size courts. Please, <laughs> please understand this is elementary. Do I have to remind you every single time? <laughs> I'd like to see a Wisenuts <laughs> Invitational classic. Hold on. Ask, ask him out of, out of every, out of the three Wisenuts, which one of us? could dunk on an NBA court out of the three of us. Bro, I can't. I can't even touch the I'm not saying now. I have money on oh. him. I'm not he, saying he now. Gives, you yeah, give put, me put some, a trampoline under you're me. You're like some though. Steve Francis, like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, right. He probably had the highest chances because growing up, he was different. Highest chances? What do you mean? Well, like, you probably you did had it. the highest. Okay, I'm tallest. Look, listen, this guy, I've known him since he was born, right? right? I know this guy can't dunk. I can't even touch the damn net. You never played with me at Columbus? Yeah, I played with okay. you plenty of times. Wasn't that court higher than 10 foot? No. no. Columbus? One, no, there was one on the right. The one court that he's talking about. That was higher than, than 10. That was even higher than 10. You know what? I went to Columbus. That If the rims were not changed, then yeah, you're right. That, that, was, that last, that that one, last just rim was that like that 10 set, feet it's high. A, it was above 10, actually. Yeah. it was. And on that court, I could dunk with a smaller ball mm. at, at 13 years old. Damn. Uh, at Hoover High, I could dunk with the regular ball easily. Oh, wow. But on that court, I had to dunk with the girls' ball. If anyone in the chat wants to confirm that, do you mind sending us a photo? Hey, Rich, you know what you should set up? You An should old set up friend of mine has videos game. of it. I just you should don't do a have celebrity game it. before the Armenia France game. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> Yo, yeah, not, I can get some people. Now I'll be the towel boy at best. Uh, Tell boy, water boy. Call, call <laughs> H- it whatever you want to call. H2O distributor. That's all. But you know, our. Our old nut who was with us for his yeah, 40 yeah, episodes, yeah. him and I were like Gary Payton and Sean Kemp every game. Wait, really? wait, wait. You're telling me there's a Pete Best in Wise Nuts? <laughs> you just don't know, Rich. You just don't know. Oh, Rex, I think Rex is in the oh, he's there. Is in the video. Yes. Is he? As odd as it is, today I'm probably the best basketball player out of the three of us. We're going to go ahead and connect uh, Mr. Rex Kalamian. We ready? Let's yes, go. we are. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on with us. Rex, you, you, watch, there, you watching the game with us? I I was watching the game. I came into another room here. It's a tight game, isn't it? Lakers, <laughs> Denver, game 
game. What is this game four? Well, hey Rex, we're game. about to take we're about to take the brooms out. <laughs> we're about we're about to take the brooms out. Would I th- you? Would I think you have... they're going to extend it two more games. It's Possibly. best of nine now. Lakers <laughs> and nine. Lakers and nine. Uh, would you? Let me ask you a question before we actually yeah. get into talks about Armenian basketball and all that, Rex. Uh, well, first and foremost, thanks for taking time to to be with us. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, would you have ever guessed? The Lakers make it this far and then end up in the situation they're in right now. I mean, obviously, they're a surprise for everybody. The way they've played and the way they've meshed in the second half of the season um, is really commendable. And 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 LeBron is really pushing through the, the kind of you know playoff series that he has had so far. Not not only I mean just up until this point uh, to get them to this point uh, has been phenomenal and. Um, uh, you know, the team just really came together so well. And, you know, sometimes it's about your team coming together. Uh, our season ended or the NBA season ended April, uh, what was it, April 9th. And this this is a, a, a lot of basketball from then till uh, till now. So uh, what is that, five weeks or six weeks of more basketball that they're playing and they're gelling at the right time. So um, I, I couldn't have for, uh, foreseen this happening, no, but. Uh, a lot of Laker fans probably did. Well, a lot of them were saying we're going to make history and come back and win. From come a, back from zero and three. Zero, <laughs> oh, oh and three. But you know, uh, it's uh, there's about about uh, there's about a minute left in the game. It's one eleven, uh, one oh nine. So we'll see what happens. We'll kind of keep an there's eye out. There's still a chance. Well, it's a two point game. Yeah, it so is. It is. I mean, there's a chance. Yeah, it, there is yeah. a chance. But <laughs> we'll 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 keep an eye out on it. So. Uh, Rex, as far as uh, Armenian basketball is concerned, uh, tell us a little bit about how you landed uh, the gig as far as with Armenian basketball, what motivated you to do it. And because we know you are, you know, the assistant coach for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, That's a hell of an accomplishment, you know, being part of the NBA. And you look at a lot of people will kind of undermine it because the percentages as far as landing some sort of you know, gig, whether it's head coach, assistant coach, defensive coach, doesn't matter what it is. It's so small and hell man, we're, we're hella proud to have uh, an Armenian represent uh, an NBA team, whether it's LA, whether it's Detroit, doesn't matter what it is just to have you there. Uh, it's, it's a hell of an honor. And we just want to know how, how that all kind of uh, played out. Why Detroit, how Detroit happened and how you landed the gig there. Well, thank you very much, first of all. Um, but I've been lucky and fortunate to be in the NBA um, for 28 seasons now. Uh, I've worked for 10 different teams along the way. Um, my uh, the, Some of my most successful teams I've been on, Oklahoma City uh, with uh, Kevin Russell and James in uh, 2013. We went to the NBA Finals. And then a couple of years after that, I was with the Toronto Raptors and then back again with the Clippers with uh, under Doc Rivers. And I've been really fortunate to be with a lot of great franchises, great coaches and Hall of Fame players. And um, uh, just really, really, um, you know, lucky uh, in that um, aspect. I've been now with the Detroit Pistons for a couple of years. We haven't uh, had great seasons. Um, this happens in the NBA, unfortunately, uh, but about. I guess probably going back about four or five years ago, the Armenian uh, Federation in Yerevan reached out to me and they said, we want somebody to uh, run our national basketball team. Uh, Would you be interested? And because of 
the different teams. I was moving uh, in the summertime and changing jobs. I wasn't able to do it. And then through COVID, we really couldn't travel. Uh, and I felt like after we got out of COVID, it was the right time. And I accepted uh, their invitation to coach a team. And um, uh, we went last summer. I went to Yerevan. We trained for a couple of weeks, then went to Malta and played in the FIBA Small Countries Championship. We won the gold medal. And um, nice. I just I had the best time. I, I, I'll be very honest with you, like being in Yerevan um, and feeling the energy of the city, of the people, uh, how much they loved this basketball team. Uh, and then going on to Malta and, and, and doing what that team did was tremendous. And, and I just I want to really uh, keep investing as much as I can into Armenia basketball. I, I really feel like um, I've been put in this situation and it's a blessing and um, I want to give back in some way. And uh, like you said earlier, being in the NBA in uh, in, in any shape or form, uh, whether you're a coach, a player, a trainer um, in the front office, it's very, very difficult and it's highly competitive. And uh, I've been very fortunate to, to have done this, um, you know, for almost 30 years now. So uh, I'm going to hopefully keep on going and, and keep giving back as much as I can. We, we love hearing that. And you're working in the NBA. Obviously, you see you know, the greatest players in the world, you know, competing at such a high level. As far as your experience with local talent in Armenia, uh, you know, what does the Armenian national team need or what does Armenian basketball need to kind of, you know, make some sort of presence or some sort of noise in the world? Well, you know, right now, uh, FIBA has us ranked something like 88th in the world, right? Which is, which is good. It's, we're making our way towards where we want to be, but um, we're still very, very far away from where we want to be on the on the world stage, right? We want to play in the in the World Cup qualifiers, which is what we're trying to attain right now. Eventually, hopefully, someday we get good enough that we could play uh, in, in in Olympic qualifiers. Um, and we're not there yet. We need uh, as a team. We need the first thing is tremendous amount of support from uh, not only people in Armenia, but the diaspora uh, in all over the, the, the country in the United States, uh, as much support as we could get. We need uh, coaching, uh, more coaching all over, especially with the youth. Um, you know, hopefully our best teams are going to be in the next six to eight years, which means that most of the kids that that are going to be on that team are hopefully right now 14 and 15 years old. And they're playing, working their way up to, you know, a level that someday we're going to play uh, against, you know, some of these these great teams that are all over the world. Um, uh, and, and there are a lot of small countries that have great teams, uh, but they have a foundation that's been built over, you know, 25 or 50 years of having a national team. Our national team of Armenia is only about five or six years old, so we're at the infancy stage of building what we eventually, you know, want to hopefully call a, a, a world champion. Yeah. I, I know you're basically, you guys are officially gold medalist in the small country of Europe, correct? Yes. So small. do you think that might spark something in the youth in Armenia and obviously in the diaspora uh, where in soccer, when you look at it, Henrik Mkhitaryan, Yuram Ovsesian, who's actually been on the show with us as well, um, you know, when the younger kids see those players and they say, wow, you know what, 
Hura played in a uh, great European team as far as soccer. And then you look at Henrik Mkhitaryan. He played for Manchester United. He played for Arsenal. He's currently in Inter Milan, and they're playing in the Champions League final, which is the first time an Armenian has ever made it to a Champions League final. Do you think that European gold medal that you guys won in the small countries, even though it's for small countries, it'll be a spark to kind of wake up kids as far as, hey, listen, you know what? Our team is doing great. We just need more talent. You guys need more practice. It, will it will it kind of awaken the younger generation? I, I certainly hope so. Um, and I think that having events like we're planning next month against uh, France, uh, playing a international friendly at Cal State Northridge, I'm hoping that in aware, it, it awakens an awareness to a lot of um, parents and a lot of kids and a lot of current players that are Armenian or have Armenian um, uh, passports or uh, have Armenian heritage that would want to be on our national team and kind of didn't know about it. So, you know, Armenia is not um, well known in team sports. Uh, We have a lot of great individual um, accomplishments Mm -hmm. um, with wrestling and and tennis and a lot of uh, standout individuals, but we want to start building a, a, a team sport for Armenia. And, and there's no better way than to get your national basketball team up and running, uh, gaining some moment, momentum, getting some of the young kids to, to see what's going on, uh, acquiring talent. The, the issue that we have, honestly, is when you look at around the world that you can take like, uh, you know, Croatia, Lithuania, Slovenia, a lot of Georgia, a lot of small countries. When I say small, you know, smallish in terms of population, um, they have a lot of big individuals, a lot of big bodies. And um, we don't necessarily have great size. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what we're fighting against. So we have to we have to find a way to win games and to be successful and to keep building um, with maybe not as much size, but we're going to do it through, um, you know, through, through, uh, what we do as Armenians, we're a resilient, uh, bunch and, um, we're going to do it through skill and IQ and, uh, hopefully, like I said earlier, build something special. You, you mentioned France versus Armenia and I heard, uh, CSUN, Cal State Northridge. Yes. So June- the ge- the game will be here in the States. Yeah. It, yes, it will be on June 16 and 17. Um, this year, the Armenian national team did not have a FIBA event scheduled in the summertime. So instead of us going to Armenia and working out with the team there and um, convening there and having a training camp, we decided to bring the team, the national team, to Glendale and train, work out, get together, start to prepare for the, um, for the world cup, uh, pre-qualifiers, which are going to be in November. And we decided we would do it in Glendale. Um, we reached out to France and asked if they would be interested in coming out and playing a couple of friendly games in front of our fans. And, um, they, they obliged, they, they wanted to come and, and, uh, they're looking forward to it. So on June 16 and 17, we have back-to-back friendly games against France and, uh, France is, I think they're currently ranked third in the world in, uh, in, in, in FIBA, right, in basketball. But um, they're hopefully not going to bring their, their professional NBA players. They have, uh, you know, a big roster that they could choose from. So 
uh, we're looking forward to it. And we think it's at Cal State Northridge. We think it's going to be an exciting time for a lot of people to come out and see what uh, the Armenian national basketball team is all about. Well, second biggest population outside of Armenia is in L.A. So we expect we expect to fill up that, oh, you yeah. know, the stands with uh, as many people as possible to, you know, show support for our boys. Because uh, you know what? Uh, I, I think this is the start of a very bright future for Armenian basketball. And who better than Rex to head coach uh, that team? Um, what, do, what, what do you expect as far as the people in the stands? Do you expect a good turnout, Rex? I do. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking for a sellout. I think both games are going to be sold out. Um, there, there's so much um, enthusiasm for basketball in the Southland with Armenians. Uh, you know, the, there's a majority of them, they love NBA basketball, but um, there are so many between all the groups that play and, and have tournaments and do different things between the AGBU groups and the home groups and the different, um, different tournaments that they have throughout the year. Uh, there's a definite interest in basketball. And uh, I think that this is going to be a, a great event for, um, you know, for us, I think for France to be able to come out uh, for the, the entire Armenia community to, you know, just kind of invest in this team and uh, in basketball. And hopefully in the future, we have the, the, um, the entire federation from Armenia is coming in also uh, and the basketball federation. And what we're trying to do is just kind of make the sport even more popular uh, amongst the, the, I, I, you know, the boys and girls, the, the youth of uh, Armenia. And uh, like you guys spoke uh, about earlier, we really want to start upgrading all the um, whatever it is, the facilities, um, and especially in, in Yerevan and, um, you know, just kind of bringing awareness to, uh, to basketball. Yeah, one step at a time. One step at a time. I, I, it's something I know for a fact. It, it is doable. Uh, sorry, Rex, to cut you off really quickly. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets on sweeping the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, man. Wow. wow. Harry, if you're watching, sorry, uh, bud. Uh, so what happens? Is this <laughs> Lakers champion now or no? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Uh, sorry to take you away from the game, Rex. Yeah. Rex, I have a question for you. Since you've, yes. uh, since you've been in the NBA for almost three decades and you've uh, obviously you've coached and you've been involved with some of the best athletes in the world, as a father of two young boys myself, I always kind of uh, wonder, is it what, what's more important as far as whether it's boys or girls, the upbringing of, let's say if they want to they start a sport, whether it's basketball, tennis, soccer, whatever it is, is it more important for for the uh, for that individual to have the natural talent, or is it to take them to the right environment as far as coaching goes, the upbringing, the training that's going to determine whether or not they're going to have any success, uh, whether, whether on a college level or even professionally? Well, it's a great question because, like, I've been in basketball forever, and um, you know, my son and my daughter, who I, I never wanted to push into getting into basketball. They're around it all the time. They've seen me. They've, we've had it, you know, on TV every single night. Um, so they see it and they um, tend to drift towards it a little bit since, since we're around it a lot. But I never really pressured them to play as young people. 
the sport. I, I always felt like, especially with the youth, you, you have to want to play a sport in order to be good at it, right? And you can't be pushed towards it, in my opinion. Um, I think that naturally it happens, uh, uh, you know, boy, girls, um, younger generation, they'll go and pick up a basketball, hopefully. And when, once they do and they find an interest in it, the next thing is to get um, to get good at it is to get training at it or to put in hours so that you can be successful at it. So whatever your craft is, whatever your sport is, um, the way to be successful at it is to put the time in. And, and that goes all the way up into the NBA level, right? Obviously, like that's why we built training facilities. That's why we come to practice every day and we practice not just as a team, but definitely individually. We spend a lot of time uh, on individual development, um, skill development, uh, even with these guys from the ages of 18, uh, when sometimes they're drafted to 18 or 19, all the way till 32, 33 years old, right to the end of your career. Um, all we work on is, is skill development and, and keeping your skills, passing, dribbling, shooting, um, you know, the, the, the major skills, trying to get them better and improve them. Sometimes you have to hire an outside coach also to maybe come in and personal trainers and that that's helpful also. Rex, we got a, we got a question from one of our uh, viewers. Uh, he's basically asking if the Armenian national team is going to call up, uh, I guess, Evan Manjikian and Connor Isaganian. Isaga, Isagian. Isagian, I'm sorry. Yeah, so Evan is uh, a player right now at UCLA. Um, he's on their, their men's basketball team there. Um, he has, uh, we've been in contact with him, um, and he is... Uh, on our team, he's currently gone through uh, some um, some shoulder issues, which is going to limit him or exclude him from playing in this uh, in this tournament that we're in against France. It's just these two games. So uh, hopefully, when he gets back and he's uh, cleared to play, he'll be back on our on our on our team and playing for us and on our roster. But um, he'll definitely be one of the guys that we'll be looking towards. Um, he's got great size and he's a a very good um, uh, shooter. The other gentleman that that um, you mentioned, Connor Asijian, he is, uh, in my opinion, right now, uh, the best Armenian basketball player, um, you know, playing and maybe ever. Uh, we'll have to see how that goes. He's at the uh, University of Wisconsin right now. Um, just completed his freshman uh, season. He has not yet committed to playing for the. Um, Armenian national team. So that's something that, that we're working on with him. And, and um, uh, I've been in contact with him uh, and that's going to be, you know, we'll find, we'll find out later on how that, how that works out. But um, I I think he has a chance uh, maybe to, to play in the NBA. Um, He has that type of, of talent. And a lot of it is going to depend now on Connor Asijian, his progress from his freshman year to sophomore, sophomore to junior as to whether he'll be able to play in the league. Well, I mean, if he makes it to the NBA, God willing, and plays for the Armenian national team, hell, man, that's that's that'll wake up a lot of yeah. the youth, man. That'll wake yes. up a lot of the youth. That that would for be sure. amazing. Yeah. Um, did you guys have any other questions before I ask Rex the big question? <laughs> yeah. Rex 
Have you ever met Isaiah Thomas? Because that's my favorite basketball player of all time. Yes, of course. <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah was at a lot of our games this year. You know, obviously, um, being a ex-Piston, he comes through the arena a lot. So, and the practice facility, he's sat in on a ton of our practices, and uh, just a good dude. I really, really enjoy my conversations with him. Great guy. All, all those guys, all the ex, the bad boys. Um, they're yeah, all the Rick bad boys. Born. Yeah, they're great dudes. Yeah. And being in uh, in uh, Detroit uh, the last couple of years, I've been able to meet a lot of those guys. So it's been good. Nice. That's awesome. I know. I yeah. remember his dribbling skills. That was that's that's I mean, been that was because I was asking you those level. questions. because yeah. That's my favorite. Player <laughs> yeah. of all time. Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas. Really? Above really? Wow. Interesting. Just, Joe Dumars. Him. Joe Dumars and I Joe worked Dumars, together yeah. uh, in Sacramento. He was uh, in Sacramento right before I got to Detroit. I was in Sac. Um, and he was the uh, assistant, maybe general manager there at the time. So another, you know, great ex uh, Detroit Pistons. Piston. Yeah, Detroit Pistons have a like a, a very rich history. They do, right? They have, I mean, even the the year they beat the Lakers to win the championship, where they had Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Hamilton, all those guys. It was that was a deep Chauncey Billups. That was that was new era. That was that was a new era of the bad boys. That was a deep team as well. Right, but, uh, right. So. Rex, big question here. Are you, are you ready for Drum it? Drum roll. Yes. <laughs> Greatest of all time. Greatest player of all time. Um, yes. I Don't saw, say Rich. I, I saw Michael Jordan in person. I was lucky enough to watch him play in person when I was with the Clippers many, many years ago. I've seen Kobe Bryant in person uh, play against us, obviously. LeBron James uh, grew up watching Magic Johnson. Um, the best, in my opinion, is is Michael Jordan, by far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> by far. There's no hesitation. No hesitation. By far, Offense. not even. So it's not even a conversation. Not for me. Then. Not for yeah. me. Yeah. Offensively, um, defensively, he was the best offensive player, the best defensive player, uh, MVP. He won championships. He scored the basketball. He made his teammates better. He was the best competitor, maybe ever to play the game uh phenomenal career and uh i think that for me anyway he's 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 the best i've ever seen there you go maybe the yeah. fiercest competitor in any sport i mean yeah. i can't think of any other athlete that was that had that killer oh, yeah. instinct he wasn't the best teammate i guess from what we saw in those uh, neither was kobe exactly yeah, but that's but that's, that's, I mean, he got six meaning. rings. That's, yeah. all, that's, <laughs> that's all that matters. That, that's a killer mentality. No, yeah, everybody definitely. didn't want to be your All friend. those teammates that hate you at that point, and then later down in life, they're like, oh, look at him. That's Now I understand why I needed Jordan on my team. You know? There you go. There you yeah, go. and I think as a coach, like I've, I've coached for 30 years in the NBA, and you always want somebody on your team that's going to police the other players, right? Like the, the coaches will do it. The assistants of coaches will do it. The head coaches will do it, but when you can get your team being kind of run by one or two people on the team and their voice sometimes is heard a little bit louder than the coaches, um, it's maybe more effective sometimes. So uh, it's not such a bad thing that these guys were unbelievable. I coached Kevin Garnett in Minnesota, uh, another fierce competitor, um, an amazing, amazing uh, game night player. Right. And uh, he he essentially would coach the team's effort every night. Right. He got the team ready to play. 
as did, you know, Kobe and, and Michael Jordan and these kind of guys. I was with Patrick Beverly a couple of years ago with the Clippers, right? And with uh, yeah. uh, Kawhi and Paul George and Pat Beverly. And he's another one who, uh, you know, he's got a great competitive gene in him. And, and it, it certainly helps the team. How many points do you think MJ would average if he played in with today's rules, like the no hand check rule and all that? That's a good question. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> right. if you ask me, I, I think he'd average like 52, 53. <laughs> he'd be automatic, bro. I mean, he would be triple doubling. You can't touch me. <laughs> you can't touch me. You know what's funny is when you look at him and you look at his game and, and how uh, the NBA game has changed so much, he hardly shot threes, right? He wasn't a three-point shooter. Everything he got was from, you know, the mid-range and free throw line. And, he, you know, he had great pump fake. He'd get people up off their feet. But uh, it's it's changed since he's played for sure. But I would think that um, as competitive as he was, if Michael Jordan was playing in this era, he would have been a great three-point shooter. It just wasn't practiced as much as it is now. Today, when we go to practice, first thing we do almost uh, – after we just kind of get loose underneath the basket is we extend right to the three point line. Like that is the range oh. now. Like there is no mid range shooting. It's like, let's yeah. extend out and, and start shooting threes because that's where the game is. I, I think the, the Warriors changed the game of basketball with Steve Kerr's coaching as far as with clay, with Curry, with that entire team. It just became three pointers, three pointers, three pointers, three pointers, and you know they won back to back. And then all of a sudden, now you're looking at majority of the teams. Like you're watching the Denver Nuggets the other day against the Lakers. You had Murray, you had Gordon, you had all those guys just chucking up threes left and right. The the has the game of basketball kind of shifted more towards that three point shooting uh, game rather than uh, a big man game or a you know jump shooting game as far as inside the three point line. Uh, no question, but, um, you know, Golden State definitely, uh, I would think, probably started it, and then Houston picked it up, and uh, probably doesn't get enough credit for how they changed the game, and James Harden single-handedly, and what he was doing, there was like a five-year run uh, that Houston had from 2015 or 16, uh, you know, on, where he just kind of dominated NBA basketball and they they showed the NBA there's a new style that works mm -hmm. and um he he James Harden was probably during that stretch of five or six years the best uh offensive basketball player maybe of all time during that stretch he was getting a ton of free throws also during that stretch and they've kind of changed the rules now and James doesn't get those free throws like he used to but um all all you needed on that on those Houston teams were shooters in the corners and uh, James Harden and a, and a big guy that could roll. And uh, that was like a plug-and-play offense. They were getting a, a ton of points. And um, it was, you know, it was fun basketball for a while uh, until it died out. I, I hope Harden doesn't become a modern-day Reggie Miller, man. I hope he wins the championship. <laughs> I really hope he wins. I hope I, so too. You know, it's funny. I'm the guest, but I I also got a question for Rex. <laughs> Let's go. Ask away, you get, buddy. You get one you question. Get one question. Get one qu and Rex, I know I know you got to be somewhere too, so so thanks for, for staying with us here. But my question for you is, given that the game has become smaller, right? You You mentioned that we're on the perimeter more. We're noticing that a lot. Is this the perfect time, would you argue, for Armenia basketball to find itself getting a rhythm going? Because 
oftentimes when I look at it, the Phoenix Suns of the Steve Nash days, right? They were an undersized team. The Golden State Warriors going off Steve Kerr's Chicago Bulls background still understands the importance of being a small player. I'm trying to understand where can Armenia find itself in the next five years as a part of a system of, of what the brand of game is going to be? Well, we could definitely change um, how we play a little bit and how maybe international basketball is played. We could play smaller. We're going to have to, unfortunately. But what that's going to require is great shooting. And, um, you know, uh, we need to find the best three-point shooters, uh, Armenian three-point shooters in the world. And, and, and they're not going to only come from the States or from Armenia. Um, like even on our team right now, we have uh, our, our best shooter uh, has been living in, in Russia for a number of years, um, but uh, is, is back now in Armenia and playing in Armenia and um, Albert Tovatsian. Uh, and, and, and he's, he's an unbelievable shooter. He had 10 threes in a game that we played in Malta in the, uh, in the semifinal game. And um, we just need to load the court with a, a, a bunch of shooters and um, we're going to shoot threes. I love that game. I love shooting threes anyway. That's, that's kind of how I coach and, and the, the philosophy that I like offensively. So um, I'm all, I'm all for it. I think we got to just outscore everybody we play. Does Armenia have a league? Yes, it currently has two. The Caucasus Basketball League and the Armenia A-League. Armenia A-League. And how is that league doing, guys? Uh, the Armenia A-League uh, is the premier one. It came out first, and then the Caucasus Basketball League is a joint league uh, with the Georgians. So okay. uh, one is sanctioned under the Armenian Basketball Federation. The other one is a privately funded one um, between Georgia and Armenia. And both are doing pretty well. Um, and David Khachatrian Rex, if you want to add more to him, David Khachatrian is one of the players that has been in Armenia, born in Armenia, part of the system he's six up foot 11 um and he stretches out the floor um and he is a person that plays for mad foxes which is a professional team in yerevan and and rex if you have more to add on delphi i mean guys lengthy yeah no he was great for us last summer uh in in uh, yerevan and then back in malta uh we had a lot of bigs that we had to play against and we threw him out there and he's he's a little thin and and sometimes uh not a little undersized, even at, at whatever he is, six eleven. But um, uh, he he's he fights and he's really good. He's going to be out here. He'll be playing with us too. I think um, all the all the guys from Yerevan, all the the team members that are from there, are flying out um, next week sometime. So to kind of get acclimated and start training here in uh, in California. So. Um, It'll be exciting. That'd be cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Rex, we thank you for taking time out of your Monday to join us virtually. We hope to have you in studio soon, man. Of course. Anytime. Where is the studio? Burbank. Where else would it oh, be? Where all the studios Wait, we're, we're either in Glendale or Burbank. <laughs> we're studio people. Rex, come on. Burbank, California. Absolutely. Let me know when and, and where and I'm there. I'd love to. Well, we'll, we'll set something up with you in the near future, Rex. We really appreciate okay. everything that you're doing for uh, Armenian basketball, the Armenian people, our country, uh, our youth, everything, Rex. We appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, coach. Did we, did we lose him? Did we lose him? I think tech- uh- I think tech technical difficulties on the last second is the best you could hope for. I, I think so. I think so. Uh, Rex, I think if it you, froze on his end. Yeah, I think it froze on his end. So, yeah. It'd be funny if he's been frozen this whole time. Like, if he on purpose froze for us. Uh, okay, oh, there he is. Go. 
There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Did you catch? What's that? Go ahead. Did you did you catch what we, the the last sentence we said? I'm sorry, no. Okay, we we basically we we wanted to thank you for helping not only the Armenian national team, the Armenian youth, our people, our country, everything that you do. We appreciate it. We're thankful for it, uh, and just keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it, Coach. Thank, thank you, Coach. You. I, I really appreciate your words. And I, like I said earlier, we need the support. We need everyone to come out. Um, we got to keep building. That's the only way, right? And we got to bring in awareness to Armenia as a country. And we could do that through basketball. So um, this is a fun, exciting time and time for everybody to jump in and help out. We, we will do our part and make sure we share the information with our viewers yeah, and listeners. Armenia versus friends. Thank you, guys. We will make for sure, sure. Thank we you. put the word out. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Coach. Okay. Thank, thank yes. you, Rex. Talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's like the humbleness oozes. Yeah, nice yeah. yeah, man. Between him and uh, what's the uh, from the Patriots, Najarian? Yes, we got that's big. Two man. Armenians in professional sports teams. That's right? Huge. Let I, me mention another name for and uh, I, I don't, you know this is a pretty important one too, and and kind of going along with these like like Bears, right? Najarian, Bears, you Najarian, mentioned yeah. Rex Kalamian. These people are masterminds. They are the decision makers for the players oftentimes. And, and that's what makes it important is because people are learning from, from them, right? Like, like I was talking to Rex and, and we're handling, along with Miasin Inc., we've been handling a lot of the media aspect of things, events production of things, right? And some of the names, and, and I just, you know, for the sake of their privacy, I can't mention, but a lot of these A-list celebrities that will be at the game, it's almost like, they they message RSVP them like and a month in advance like a lot of these NBA players or whoever they are and they're doing it out of the respect with Rex and and, and that's what I mean by that that mentor student relationship yeah. is so important when yeah. we're looking at as Armenians right Definitely. looking at Tarkanian that's mm-hmm. another name we can never forget yeah, right Tarkanian course. um and I'll mention something else as well like Gorgian right Gorgian's father was one of the people that kickstarted Crescenta Valley's basketball program. Mm. And that is known as one of the very first successful basketball programs that ever existed in California. Wow. And now California as a high school, when you look at high school rules is much more advanced than like, for example, Oklahoma. I, I, I'm like just example, right? Like Oklahoma, Missouri, they might not have shot clock. High schools in, in California requires shot clock. So it, it, it advances the game a little bit more. And we got coaches like Tarkanian, Kalamian out of Los Angeles. Like that amplifies the relationship that you have with the student where it's it goes far beyond just the basketball court. Definitely. Like these guys are respecting that there's an Armenian national team game against France. Mm-hmm. They recognize this is a major event for not just, you know, Rex and the team and the staff members, but this is important for our entire country and to and for them to back us up immediately a month before the game's even ha- happening, it just speaks a lot of volumes for Rex. And Definitely. I just can't say how important of a figure Rex is and, and people like Rex. Like, for example, I'll give you Iveta Karapetian, who yeah. is the lead person for NBA Digital Analytics. Oh, really? Lead, who? top, Digital Analytics, NBA, Iveta Karapetian. I didn't know that. I didn't either. There are so many people that are, like, when I share on Armenia versus France on LinkedIn, right? Tons of people at it. Like, there's a guy that is a, um, and pardon me, I just met him like the other day, but he is literally a uh, a trainer for Orlando Magic's G League team. Really? 
he added me because he's like, Hey man, you know, Armenian basketball, like we don't, this is, this is important for me. And I'm like, this is important for me Shit, too. Let's we, stay in touch. We you know, need like, all these people. Man. We need all of these. And I agree. These are with pieces you. that need to come and, together and, yes. to create the bigger yes. picture. And, and even further beyond that, like, you know, Rex's assistant for the Armenian national team, Pete Dominguez, he's with the 76ers. Yeah. He's an assistant with the 76ers. So, so the people that are on board with Armenia basketball right now, it's, it's not just Armenians, but you know, as Armenians, we need to find ourselves in these positions in order to constantly create because you got to constantly create in order for your teachings to be relevant. Yeah. And and that's what these people are doing. And they're, so, they're quietly doing it, which is the right way of doing it. Now we just got to, how do we piece everyone together? How does media work with sponsorship, sponsorship work with, you know, uh, uh, technical operations? How does technical operations work with business operations? Like these are all things that we haven't had as an organization and we're now gelling together. And with that, we, we've only been in two, uh, you know, FIBA European championships and we've won both of them. Yeah. 2016 and 2022. We won both of them. We recognize we're, we're past the small countries phase. We know that. And if we're entering that tournament, we're, we're, we're winning it. There's a gold. The gold medals already have been achieved. Now the goal is, okay, we played the, the C division. We got to get to the B division. And the B division is where Portugal lives. It's where Switzerland lives. Um, and with my U20 team, we beat Switzerland. Like, you know, and, and Clint Compella was on that roster, by the way, from what is he with now? The Hawks? Is yeah. he still in the NBA? He should be still in the NBA. I hope he is. <laughs> I mean, so he's like the, my age. For the June 16 and June 17 game, how, uh, Vic was asking as well, which I wanted to bring up. How can people get tickets? Where can we purchase? Yeah. So you should enter Armenia Basketball on Instagram. And in our Lincoln bio, you'll find it there. Or you could just go to Eventbrite, search Armenia Basketball. The tickets can be purchased on Eventbrite. 65% of the courtside seat tickets on the game one have already been sold out. So I recommend getting on it because Armenians usually buy last second. And unfortunately, courtside seats are the ones that our people love the most. So I would recommend jumping on it. But yeah, Eventbrite. Guys, what we'll do is we'll connect with Rich. We'll find like a link and all that stuff. We'll post it on the story. We'll tag Rich in there. We'll tag Re we'll tag Rex in it. Uh, you guys will click on the link. It'll take you to the website. You'll be able to purchase your tickets there. It'll be uh, a lot easier that that way. But you know, going back to the growth of Armenian basketball and all that stuff. Yeah. Right now. As, see, a lot of people are basically kind of just understanding that, you know what, Armenian basketball is in the uprising again. Yeah. Rex is there. See, about, I'd say in the past couple of years, everybody has been on Gary Chivichian's uh, uh, page one. one yeah, way yeah, that, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. everybody's rooting for Gary to make it to the Clippers mm -hmm. and to be that one player where it's like, you know what, he puts on an NBA jersey and there's an IAN or YAN, it doesn't matter, on the back of it. And he steps on an NBA court. That right there will yeah. basically just, you know, we mentioned it with Rex, not only spark a f like a small fire. I think yeah. it'll be this giant explosion as far as a, you know, if one Armenian could do it, yeah, why can't ten, twenty more do it? And, and the good thing about like, for example, you mentioned Gary Chavichin. Gary Chavichin is a hell of a ball player. You know, I've had I've had the luxury and and uh, to to play with him, uh, share. Armenian national team jersey with him. Um, very intellectual player, understands the game, um, constantly pushing the boundaries. And his ability to be, like, for example, when I would open the gym or Academy USA, um, which is in Glendale, which, by the way, for those that don't know, Academy USA is a Armenian-American-owned 
um, basketball gym where Kevin Durant practices out of, Yute Watanabe practices out of, um, Peyton Pritchard from the Boston Celtics. Like every NBA player that comes to LA and realizes that the closest normal basketball gym to downtown LA, which is usually where their, you know, liaisons mm-hmm. drop them off or whatever. The closest one is Academy USA. We, you know, Academy USA also was the home for the LA Sparks practice for the summer. Um, a, you know, Agua Caliente Clippers, which was what Chivichin was playing. Um, but, you know, the dedication, being there at 6 a.m., like Gary's about that life. He really is. He's there at 6 a.m. every morning. And a lot of the players that often talk about that stuff aren't about it. And seeing an Armin that not only walks the walk and talks the talk is important. Like, you know, Chavichian, Andre Mkrchan Spite, um, you know, uh, who else do we got out there that Albert Tatavosian that um, Rex was talking about? Albert Tatavosian has been playing, you know, raised in Russia, but now lives in Armenia. This guy is a lethal shooter. And these guys need, and me as, you know, head of media for the Armenia basketball, it's like, I have to really tell this story. Or, or let me let me tell you one more thing. Um, for, for, the, for those that are uh, have the Google in front of them, I recommend you search the last name Spandarian. There's two names that come out when you see Spandarian, right? Soccer player. Well, there's Spandarian that was one of the founders of Ar- Soviet Armenia. Okay. Spandarian, right? And then there's a Spandarian who is the son of that Spandarian and is the, what is he? He's known as the architect of Soviet basketball, which he won three FIBA Euro baskets. He's still a top coach that has ever won the most gold medal, excuse me, the, the championships during Europe like in Europe, FIBA oh, really? basket, top three, Spandarian. Wow, so, and, and Spandarian was, uh, he got his name for being the best basketball player during World War II. And then after World War II, they added him to the roster for the Soviet Union. And then he led them to many championships from 50s all the way down to the 70s. And through that, maybe, and this is not on paper, of course, but that's when you had more basketball players from the Armenian side coming in the 70s and 80s. You had an Alachachian that was on Tesca for, for a minute. Alachachian is probably one of the best Armenian basketball players we have. And he played, I mean, do you guys recognize Tesca Moskva? Of course. Tesca yeah. being the Red Star team yes. that Russia would push for. Um, we had Zastukhov. We had, um, oh my God, there's so many players. That's an I Armenian mean, name? Zastukhov? Well, Zastukhov, born in Armenia, but, you know, Soviet Soviet situation. Armenia, so, yeah. Soviet situation. Um, but not, nonetheless, what I'm trying to say is we've we've had the history of players. See, it's what's, been, what's what's the process of actually being able to qualify to play for the Armenian national team or to qualify for playing these, you know, in, in the Armenian league even? Yeah, no, this is a great question. In terms of professionally, there aren't rules, right? Like you can be an Otar and or a non-Armenian, I should say. You can be a non-Armenian and play in Armenia. Um, you can be an Armenian living in Armenia. doesn't matter. Um, it's just depending on contract whether you want to play it or not but in terms of the armenian national team that's a little bit different and this is where actually i think your audience as you know majority being parents right they are looking at all right how old are my kids like eight seven nine whatever when rex mentioned specifically 14 year olds 15 year olds how important that is the reason why is because armenians that want to represent armenia have to carry an armenian passport which is very important and the proper way to do this is usually up until the age of 16. Meaning that they play for U14, they play for U16, U18, U20, they climb up the ladder, and then they get to the senior national team. But unfortunately right now, because there hasn't been a structure laid down for them, um, a lot of parents think it's straight to the senior team. No. 
I'm like, you know, and I'm not saying no from the aspect of your, your child does not qualify. No, that is not the case. We want more data, more names in our database. We want more players. However, we want them to be a part of a system that makes sense for the Republic of Armenia's national team. So you're saying, for example, Connor has an Armenian passport? So Connor does not. However, but that's when we naturalize. Naturalizing is a very, very specific area that Basketball Federation of Armenia does a great job of elaborating on. And even as us as diaspora members, there's specific spaces that we need to understand how it falls in line with FIBA and how it falls in line in Armenia. So historically, the best way is to have a player by the time they're age of 16 to be identified in the Basketball Federation of Armenia system. So that way there's no issues later on. Mm. Because, for example, I lucked out. What was I? I was 17 and both of my parents were born in Armenia. So it's an easier process. But how do you, you know, do that on a, on a much larger scale? Let's say, you know, diaspora member from three generations ago. That's a little tougher. That's why we it still is. recommend 16 and under to to be a part of the basketball program system. So our youth can develop. And from there, we can see the system because, you know, Countries like Lithuania that we mentioned, Croatia, Slovenia, Serbia. Yes, they're countries that are closer to us on the population level, but their farm system is much better. Farm system meaning that you have, you know, uh, elementary school students all a part of the same system into middle school, after middle school, high school, whatever. And then they build up to the senior national team that has basically the, the pinnacle of what you've been working on for the past 15 years, where it doesn't feel like a bunch of armies from different parts of the world meeting. There's steps yeah. to it. Bro, like, yeah. Picture this, man. Imagine, like, for example, going back to soccer. Like, You look at the team of Barcelona, right? Very yeah. successful soccer team. You think Barcelona is just Barcelona by itself? There's so many different oh, no. camps. that, well, for, Like the yeah. story of Messi. Like Barcelona exactly. took Messi from Argentina and the, mm-hmm. he was like, he was a kid. And they basically just raised him in Barcelona and trained him to become, you know, who he is today, which is a lot of people argue this, but greatest of all time. Uh, well, Armenia needs to create a system like that where yeah. it builds on the young kids and it basically, you know, helps them, yeah, helps them grow. Eventually, you never know; they might make it to, you know, a, a crazy team where you know they're they're trained by a great coach. Mm-hmm. There's a great camp there, and then they eventually yeah. come back to the Armenian national team and you know help that team grow as well yeah. there's there's so many factors there's so many things that play a great role in having a great you know system there quick well, correction well, with uh Chavichian. he's he's actually in the tbl supersonics right yeah, so, yeah, yeah no 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 tbl i believe Super vancouver Hawks. well i believe he's now at the vancouver volcanoes which is uh uh, so the TBL is a professional team in the NBA, uh, excuse me, uh, in America, similar to the NBA, but it's not the NBA. So it's similar to how we mentioned in Armenia, there's the Caucasus Basketball League mm-hmm. and then there's the Armenia yeah, A-League. A-League. One is through the Basketball Federation of Armenia. The other one is privately done. Yeah. Um, but both can be FIBA sanctioned. So both can, you know, a player can go tr- be traded somewhere else or something like that. Um but yeah, no, yeah. No, but yeah. what I was mentioning was at the time when uh, that was, that's why I was saying, you know, a couple of years ago when everybody w- when was talking about Gary, Gary, Gary. That's why I was saying a couple of years ago that there was a possibility he would have been on the Clippers. We were hoping to see him in the Clippers jersey. Well, he wore, well, he was a part of the Clippers for the G League. So that I would, I would still consider that a success. He was still with the Lakeland Magic as well, um, drafted by the Lakeland Magic, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, so Chavichian made some noise and, and I'm, and I'm happy he did. Because oftentimes we always look at our, you know, soccer being our our national like sport in a way, or 
you know, chess we is obviously it. We, no, we claim that the, the common outside activity, which is true, right? It like, is. Team sport. Like, team sport. I, guys, when I moved to Armenia when I was 10, I looked at, I looked outside and it's called Boxy Hayat and there's a basketball court there. I'm like, okay, so no boxing. Great. So I go to the basketball court. I get kicked off. They're like, I'm like, why? They're like, make a bet comments. I'm like, there's no one on this court. He's like, God, he's I'm like, no, there isn't. So I start shooting and they're like, I'm like, this is a basketball. It's like, so then I would have to play soccer to conform to the local, right? But what what people don't understand is that the Chevichians, the Andre Spike McCurchians, the Rex Kalamis, the Connor Asijians, they're going to change that a little bit. Same way how Luka Doncic has completely changed a bunch of like, you know, kids that may be not the most fit, right? But now they're like, you know what? Doncic is not the most fit. Chris no, Paul's not. not the most fit. He can't even yeah, touch the Let's be engine. real. Let's be real. And so you're going to start noticing people that have similar like situations that they find themselves in, believing in themselves a lot more, which is which is exactly what you what you know what you could wish out of this situation. We do have some names that are being mentioned as well. Zara's name keeps coming up. Which one? Ooh. Both of them are they're Hall of Famers. Abedian. Avedian, yeah. Avedian. Avedian. Yeah. Zara Avedian, Hall of Famer at Hoover and Cal Lutheran, one of the greatest basketball players of Armenian descent from the 2000s. Um, I would even, and Zara is a good friend of mine, and no bias here whatsoever. Um, that generation had uh, David Lalazarian, is also a very important name. Zara Avedian, David Someone Lalazarian, Shara Babakhanians, that's Shara, a name. Shara Babakhanians was averaging 27. My friend, Coach. Like, he was a top yeah. 10 scorer in California at that time. And I, Ruben Vesmadian. Ooh, I haven't heard that, that one. Mike Danielian? Oh, Mike D, probably the most lethal Armenian scorer that, yeah, no, he played in Germany, I believe, B League, but that's a very tough league to be <clears throat> to be playing in. And, and Mike D, definitely one of the players that I was growing up, I was looking up to. Yeah, I mean, he, sorry, he broke Gilbert Arenas's record. Sorry, I had to I had to mention that. Did he? Mike Mike D was was one of those players. I knew a that couple made, Armenians that actually used to outball Gilbert Arenas because he played here. I think he played at Grant. Grant, yeah, yeah. A couple Armenian dudes I know. They're like, dude, we used to score score with this guy. I mean, score uh, outscore the guy every single game, but he ended up. He went to what Orlando Magic, I think it was. He was on the Wizards. Wizards. He was on the Wizards. Yeah, until he he made sick yeah. money. Out sick of the money, Wizards. right? He was I the remember. best. He was the best player on the team. I, man, he, <laughs> well, he was a is, franchise player, man. Yeah. What do you expect, dude? Gilbert Arena. His son actually plays for Chatsworth now, and and he's making some noise too. I think he had like a forty point game the other night. Um, or sorry, what, like a what, few months ago. Such an Armenian thing that when Rex was on, we were having a conversation. Every Armenian is like. Ask him if he knows this guy. It's such an Armenian such thing. Al Hartsur Suroin Gidi Abed. There was a name Surin. Someone mentioned the Surin. Oh, oh, oh wait, they Yenort mentioned Mas. Surin. Who yeah. Surin was a referee in the NBA. So, really? So really? Surin is a part of the Armenia basketball team. So, to be completely honest, Surin Arzumanian people need to know his name because he was also in the movie Forget Paris. Do you guys remember that? Where no. Billy Crystal was a referee and he's like giving technicals left and right. I remember. Bill Crystal being a referee, but I don't remember. Dude, so if anybody would remember, no, it's I haven't seen that one. Dude, it's like one of those stupid rom coms from the nineties, but it's based around Billy Crystal being a referee and his dad dies, so he has to go get the casket to France. But he's having issues with Delta Airlines, <laughs> which is like what whatever. is the movie called again? Forget Paris. Forget Paris. So he's yeah, and then he goes back and he's constantly traveling left and right, whatever, and he's trying to find a, a like 
someone that would marry him that with that schedule essentially is is what it's about. And uh, Billy Crystal flips out one episode, and it's Kareem Abdul Jabbar's farewell game, and he gives him a double tech. <laughs> I've I've seen the clip of that where he goes, "This, this is my farewell game." He, he even called a technical on Kareem's mom, and the, the, they call it. <laughs> I think this guy. Uh, so Levick was talking about a different Surin, Surin oh. that coached against well. AGBU athletic director, Surin? I yeah, guess? that's Surin Arzamani. Oh, so he guy, reffed yeah. Michael Jordan. Um, he's teed up. Who he did refed he tee- Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. He's a he's 90s an NBA guy. player. Oh, NBA oh. referee. Yeah. So wow. Surin, oh, Surin is also one of the highest commissioners for the state of California refereeing overall. Oh, so wow. any referee you know knows Surin. And so, yeah. and Sudan's actually a big fan of Wise Nuts, and I, I think I had no told way. you. Oh, is he really? He's the guy that we said, "Oh, I, I, I watch him weekly." He's like, I, "He's like they're great." One day I want to meet them. I'm like, "Shit, we'll meet him." The NBA referee <laughs> wants to meet my Wise Nuts. Let's go. For the, for the amount of people that know us and the number of subscribers we yeah. have, just doesn't match up. It doesn't, I, it, it's, it's okay. You, but you guys are always you guys are watching, man. As long as you guys are watching. Number one podcast. What? What is it? Number one American <laughs> Armenian American podcast. Guys, listen. We are the silent majority. <laughs> You don't have to be scared. We are the silent majority. <laughs> Come to is, the light. Our community has this weird thing. A, so they will listen scared, to you. They will tell the you about it in front of you, but they will not press that like button. Ninette says she also played with Gilbert Arenas. See, everybody's. <laughs> I played with Gilbert Arenas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ninette balled oh, for a very long geez. time. Oh, I get. God. I know. She. I, I've never. I mean, we're a different. Generation, Age, generation. Yeah, yeah. So I've never. Did you play know, with played. Zargarian as well, Zara? So I, I idolized them growing up. Um, I was supposed you know, to. He's go to my Uber. godson, right? Zar, Zara Zargarian. Yeah, no way. Yeah. Oh, you're his godfather. Well, my fat, my well, dad, let me, my dad was so their godfather, questions. but when when he was being christened, obviously my brother. dad didn't stand. It was. Armin, huh? Armin, my brother, who stood. But you said he's your godson. That's why I thought you were. Well, our, let me put it to you this oh, okay. way: our fa- our families are very close. Uh, my dad has been their weddings. That's like Shaq's kid saying, "I'm a multi-millionaire." <laughs> well, here's the thing. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> let me let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. At one point, I was taller than him. And then I don't know what happened. Yeah, what is this? Well, you're three and he's three months old. Or <laughs> at, at one point, I was oh taller than him. Let's, let me put it to you that way. So, I was taller than him. Uh, how old are you? How how much older are you? <laughs> four years older. Well, that's what I'm saying. So that's you were what. four and the guy was a four and a half. No, he was, he was old. He was much older. He was much older. When so I think Zari was... 5'11 at four years old. So. No, I, which is surprisingly, he wasn't. No. I, I don't know when that kid had that growth. My friend Manwa coached Zari for many years. He oh, coached, did he? He coached Shara. He coached, I, I think you may have even played for Manwa, no? Is it Manwa Bullion? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, I, I run with him on Thursdays. He's probably mad at me for not coming for the past few times. <laughs> on Thursdays? Yeah. Well, it's Monday today. No, the last few times he has a show. Oh, shit. Well, you guys that. play pickup on Thursdays? Is that what it is? Uh no he he actually has a team that's like pretty solid and funny enough there's a not funny he's enough, going to Armenia next yeah July, so the Pan Armenian Games every four years um Manua takes a pretty solid team he represents Burbank um and Manua has this one kid that's really good his name is um Shant Shnorvorian I highly recommend I mean it's tough to spell his last name um because it's in a French style it's like Chen Havodian but like so yeah so C H so it's like Shen but so he plays at PCC stellar player he's really good and i mean he's he's something to watch out for but 
Um, yeah, so Menua still coaches, um, still a mastermind, a referee as well. Yes. Um, and his brother Mito is also still involved. Yeah, um, yeah, they're great. Yeah, Menua coached Ninet as well. Yeah, I, I, know, I know he did because he, he coaches the girls team now, right? Or the um, boys as well. Well, he does. I, I, funny enough, I knew him as a from a girls coach, and then I saw him coaching men's too. I was like, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, no, Menua both. For you know how many years I've been trying to convince. I didn't even know Manuel was in basketball. No, no, Manuel. a referee. Yeah, Manuel is a yeah, great coach and a great referee. Like I've been, I've been trying to convince him for how many years now? Three years. Come on the show with Harry to have the debate between basketball. MJ and LeBron. He's like, bro, he's like, there's no debate. I don't even want to come. I'm like, I, I understand, but come I, on, I, and just shoot the shoot yeah. with us, bro. <laughs> Not, not with us, yeah. with Harry. I want him to like. Oh, bro, he yeah, can't, but, man. By the way, uh, to all the Laker fans out there, they're already posting Lakers 2024 NBA champions. It's like, dude, just stop. Listen, you're the first loser. <laughs> oh, these are great. <laughs> these are great too. When they when they start adding players, yeah. uh, so they also another Laker. Oh, Harry posted this. Of course, who else? So Harry posted Kyrie Irving on the Lakers next year, yeah. and they're going to be 2024 it's, it's, champions. Yeah. The team is never good enough. We just need four more all stars. And then Harry the also mentioned, "Congrats, Denver Nuggets and the refs." Uh, he said, See, "Now he says go yeah. Heat." Yeah. Uh, he sometimes says go Heat. But you know, we're not going to mention the fact that he said Lakers in six again. We're not going to mention that. And then we're not going to mention the fact that he said, "Oh, they're going to come back and win. They're going to make yeah. history." We're not going to mention that. I so. wonder if there was any anyone that predicted a sweep. Like on Hell an official no. level, where like a sports analyst, because that sports analyst is definitely going to get a raise after that. Like, I, I haven't heard anyone on ESPN First Take or Shannon Sharp, like all those guys, none of them. Bro, all these, I, all these bandwagon, like freaking Laker fans and stuff, they were all saying, like, Lakers in six, it's over. Oh, when the playoffs start, the goat's going to come in and the king of basketball is going to come in. He's going to kill everybody, the, blah, blah, the blah, whole blah, blah. King name really Yo. has to go. Yeah, but, bro, but, but you guys have to admit that. I don't think, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a team change completely in five weeks. In five weeks, yeah, like as far as like that's that's the biggest. What are you talking about from the beginning? Like I'm talking about how their season looked up until February. Literally two weeks before the end of the season, I was like, "What is this?" They 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 just they They, just changed the way they were. They were they went zero and six or zero and five, right? Well, I no, I'm I'm talking about overall their entire season that went. Oh, you're talking about against in Denver? the beginning. Okay, no, 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 Lakers. The Lakers in the beginning of the season they started 0 and five. Right. Yeah, I mean, what was you it? know like who was one of the teams that they lost to? Right. Denver was one of them. Yeah. And then Golden State was another team. I would assume. Yeah, yeah. I would So I mean, they started off playing pretty legitimate teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't. The season is a very long season. You're looking at what? But, I mean, Warriors didn't have that great of a season either. Like they were kind of a team that kind of changed things up. Warriors like a seventh seed or a sixth seed. They, they were. I mean, dude, they were teetering on the eleventh, tenth seed with the Lakers for mm-hmm. a long time, and it was. Well, it, Curry didn't play half the season either. I mean, you, you can go into reasons, but like, do you think it's a reason why the Lakers and the Golden State, those teams, all of a sudden the last week made it into the? I don't layoffs. I know. I, don't I know. We've, we've we've had the we've had the superstitious stuff. Before. Yeah, yeah. We we've had the superstitious stuff, whether Vegas wrote it or not. I Easily, think, but I think we. I don't think it's Vegas. It's a marketing. Bro, problem. what are you talking about? Everybody was on this, uh, making Instagram and TikTok videos talking about the the. 
The NBA is written. Uh, the Lakers and the Boston Celtics are going to be playing each other. This is all written. Was there's that a, your South Park voice? There, there's, a re- there's, a, <laughs> there's a reason why there's a camera crew following LeBron James this entire season. Uh, it's inevitable. Blah, 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 blah. Give me a break, bro. I'm impressed you stayed in that accent for that long. For Ooh, that who's long. your that team since you hate the Lakers? I've, I've, I've always been a Chicago Bulls fan. Even till today. Till, 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 even till today. Even till today. I mean, I know I know we suck. So one might say you are the originator of the bandwagon. Yes, sir. Well, let me put it to you this well, way. I jumped, grew, I grew up <laughs> watching. Yeah, I grew up watching the Chicago Bulls, man. I mean, I, I was a Raptors fan until Vince Carter got his injury. So I agree with no, you. No, man. Like I i I watched the Chicago Bulls era during you know, when they played against the Supersonics, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, and then when they played and they beat the, the Utah Jazz with Carl Malone and John Stockton mm-hmm. and Hornacek and all that stuff. And then, you know, obviously Jordan left. The complete the team got scrapped. And then there was the Derrick Rose era, which I oh, followed. Was- and then that one injury where... Literally, our life around. flashed before our eyes when Derrick Rose I, I, fell, grabbed his knee, and that was it. You, you know, when you look back at it, like, I, I didn't I knew that that was gonna end his career, but seeing him try to come back was the saddest part because he really tried to come back and he kept injuring himself and it was like and I love Derrick Rose because Derrick Rose is one of those well first of all it's also hilarious how Derrick Rose's brother uh, took his test at Memphis and like he they revoked all of his record breaking things because they found out. So technically, at University of Memphis, they don't have Derrick Rose's records oh, because shit. he cheated his way into getting. The Are you serious? <laughs> really? Wow. But they don't talk about. We, that. we don't. Yeah, they don't talk about it. But How do you um, know that? I, I heard yeah. it from a dumb, dumb <laughs> article. Like, Look at him; it's kind of hilarious. Um, so basically, he went to the University of Memphis, and he got out and of he, there, and, and he graduated. Got, but he his brother at, took all of his tests. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Once he got out of there, that's when they found out. <laughs> At that point, Arthur Chegale, Navani Chara, Amarit. You started so like, NBA wow. bound, bro. Yeah. But I mean, shit. look, look, look. But the point is that that guy worked so hard and he was continue, continuing to work so hard. And then now he's in a position where he's still working hard. But like, like people forget Derek Rose for a minute. Like I want to say for, what is it, four years, three years? Absolutely the best, most explosive yeah, player MVP. I had ever seen. Yeah, like. I the MVP you know, year, man. You know, highlight real, bro. Bro, he was he was a yeah. he was probably gonna be. Well, I'm sure he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but Guys, he was he yeah, would he be won't. he would if he didn't get if Derrick Rose did not get hurt, he would have probably been ranked in the top five players of greatest players of all for time. sure. But the comparison with Vince mm. Carter and bro, he together, got hurt in his those prime. guys that play at that Tough. at the rim. Yeah. Those guys are gonna get injured more you know, often. And the whiskey, what was the whiskey's secret, bro? So, so let me try. He never jumped. He was finesse. But, jump. but Vince Carter. So, so we're nope. talking about Vince <laughs> Hold Carter. Hold on, the whiskey right? was also six ten, six eleven, bro. Still bro. true. But I mean, look, Vince Carter has said this, and again, I'm such a devout Vince Carter fan. I still listen to a lot of the interviews he has because he's such a articulate person. Well, oh. he's an articulate person that is a sports <laughs> analyst now. So he's not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was still playing. But Vince Carter, when you know Vince Carter had not worked on his game or really learned how to stretch until his injury in NBA. Like that's like yeah, you I've look at players that. now and how much they know about their own bodies versus like the Vince then, Carter age then, yeah. or like whatever it is, right? But the game has changed, right? The game has changed and what is provided for the player in the game has changed. Some of those things provided makes it horrible as a yeah. fan, I'll be honest with you, because late 80s, early 90s basketball, you can't compare to basketball. I mean, we're, we're talking about a 
uh, an era of finesse versus like now it's finesse versus back then it was just grit, grind. You know, you're not calling a foul unless, unless there's blood. Like my first time playing in New York, right? Which I would argue New York is still 90s basketball. Definitely. When you go to the city the playgrounds, of New York, they still have it. When, dude, I had an opportunity, thankfully, to play like fives at like 7 a.m. in middle, like New York, right? Oh, and like, it rained the night before and the floor is still wet and it's like a five on five game going on. Like I go up and this guy just smacks me. Right. I fall into the fence, which like, like obviously hurt me. This guy comes up and he was like, he looks at me. He goes like, Oh, you ain't bleeding. That's and I'm it. like, That's okay, it. cool. So, and, or like, if you want to call a foul, they go like no fouls unless there's blood. Like I'm, I'm, I'm of course this group might be a little like yeah, but, serious, but, but hold like, on, hold on. But I mean, there is an unspoken rule as far as like, you know, they still respect the yeah. game itself. Yeah, okay. you don't call That's, a foul unless it's like, and like, kind of like what LeBron James. Yeah, is. I mean, LeBron's. I call I call LeBron the diplomat of the game. Yeah, he's like he's you don't call you don't call a travel unless that fifth step hits the floor. Like, fifth, like yeah. the I, fourth one is okay. The fifth one is when you go, oh, hey, listen, LeBron. No, no, but what I mean is that LeBron's good at. Traveling? Talking right, he's good at talking. Like he communicates, you can tell when he communicates to the referee. What are you he, has about, bro? he hasn't he hasn't read a book in like <laughs> well, nine years. He's always on the second. He's page. always on the second. Page. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say he's read a book. I don't know if he's finished the book. Right, <laughs> he's reading the title and the author. And like, dude, I haven't, I haven't watched. The, I probably watched eight quarters of basketball in the last twenty years. I only watch if highlights because because the game just doesn't do it for highlights. me. Oh man, wait, I need I, five minute highlights. That? That's it. Look, you have the luxury to choose to go for highlights, right? Yeah. I got um. So now, you know, f- for those that are <laughs> don't know what I'm doing to nowadays, uh, I either do social media marketing, I either do training, or I'm coaching basketball, right? Coaching and training different. But so I'm training one of my kids, right? And I'm like, "Did you watch the game?" He goes like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Did you watch the game or did you watch highlights?" He goes like, "Highlights." I'm like, "Why did you not watch the game?" He's like, "Who watches games?" I'm like, "Who watches games?" I'm like, it's "Boring." What? He goes like, "Who watches games?" He's like, "Don't you want to just watch the highlights?" I'm like. Not if you're oh. up and coming. No, no, but but that but that I'm, I start thinking because the kid doesn't know any better, right? He gets an iPad, he get, he starts watching it, and he's like, "Why would I watch the whole game?" And I'm like, "Yo, no. you're not." But you didn't realize like a 12 highlights. minute highlight reel shows you exactly what you were gonna see in the game. True, because majority of the time is wasted. Here but if there. you're a student of the game and you see only success, right? You're not gonna know how to figure. You're not gonna know how to figure it out when yeah. you don't see. Let me ask you Failure. this: When, when, uh, when the coaches, assistant coaches, and a lot of very, very seasoned players want to learn about a team, what do they do? They watch film, 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 film. Mm-hmm. and they continue to watch film, and they dissect every single mm-hmm. play that the that the opponents are, you know, mm-hmm. are playing. So if this kid is going in there watching highlights, I mean, it's basically he's watching a biased mm. portion of whether it's ESPN or Fox or whatever it is. You're watching ratings. Yeah, that's that's all you're watching. You're not yeah. gonna you're not gonna understand, you know, why that play was played. You know, the, the emotions that were involved. You know, the passes that were there from you know from certain angles. You're just literally watching. I'll give you an example. I don't know. Sorry to cut you off, but I'll, I'll give you a quick little example. I remember um, both in high school and when I was playing for Armenian national team, it was you don't watch the successful plays. You only watch it if there's something to learn from it, right? Yeah. So my coach would have already, already written down the minutes that we have to go through. And as a kid, when I'm watching, I'm like, oh my God, it's my favorite part about this. Like the part that I score, he would just... 
even for why. And even like, the mistakes. You watch it. the mistakes. You watch the weaknesses. Well, you only watch the mistakes. Yes. That's the only way you, you only learn. watch the mistakes. Yes. Like we would I don't remember a single time where my coach would like be it would be a happy atmosphere with all the lights off and we're watching like game tape in the classroom. Like where you're watching your mistakes. You're not watching your highlights. Well, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about the other team's mistakes yes. as well. You watch yes. their weaknesses, you watch their, their yes. strengths. You break you're down everything. at the mo- weaknesses. Yeah. And if you're looking at a strength, you look at, okay, was the defense actually playing there? Yeah. Did they get an easy bucket there? It just happened. So I, I agree with you. But yeah. like, that's not like that. The conversations I'm hearing from my eight-year-olds all the way to my 13-year-olds is, is that. It's like, did you watch the game? And then when they, like, yeah, I'm like, did you actually watch the game or did you watch the highlights? highlights. That's when they're going, ah, highlights. Like, so, <laughs> at least they're being honest with you. But it, 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 you know, and for the parents out there, that gives you a good understanding. It's like, hey, as a like as a parent, do I helicopter or do I just send them to the right space where it's automatically like understood that that's yeah, yeah. So man, like the generate the upcoming generation of athletes, it's gonna be interesting. And we're in this perfect, like little small little window where we have 13-year-olds all the way till 19-year-old Armenian athletes. I'm I'm right now I'm going back to focus on Armenian basketball players that are gifted, they understand the game. And they're not too young to the point where they don't remember Kobe or they don't remember like players that have that, you know, great, great. Like I mentioned Bruce Bowen the other day. No one knew. No one knew Bruce Bowen. He played Clippers, didn't he? He played for well, he played He was known for the yeah, Spurs, on, Spurs for defense. But I'm specifically mentioning Bruce Bowen because there's the next guy in line who's Tony Allen. Tony Allen was also a great defensive player, right? Boston. Boston, and he was also on Memphis for a little bit. Um, but he was, yeah, he got his image in for the Celtics. But I would argue that you know players like that, like known for their defense, like coming up like that, you, we don't have a person like that nowadays. You know where you can point to and say this is the defensive specialist today, of like this age. Beverly Patrick Beverly's probably Pat known as that. Pat Bev is known, but for he's that. more of a psychological he's player, a, he's a facilitator. Yes. He's and, a facilitator. Yeah, and, and and I would argue that you know players like that is people that you know some of us would idolize back then. Of course, yeah. You know, I mean, I would argue maybe my generation kind of went towards hyper offense, like really just only mm-hmm. liking offensive players. But you know, Dennis Rodman in the nineties, right? Like. Talk oh, about yeah. a guy that defense, was known bro. for defense and branding himself as the guy on defense, like the one man who shut, shut, shut he, down Shaq. In like, over one season, he turned from oh, defense to rebounding. Dude, dude was like, oh my god! Can you imagine what he would do to LeBron if he played? He'd Men- make him cry. Oh, dude, mentally, he, <laughs> mentally his, he Dennis cry. Rodman in his prime would shut down LeBron, <laughs> and then he would end up being LeBron's teammate his yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what would happen. That was. Yeah. Uh, uh, under 16 Armenian national team, hmm. Kosovo. Are you going to be going? Uh, no, I only handle Armenia senior national team um, operations and media. Um, so anything that works with the national team, that's like senior national team, that's me. But um, anything that goes U20, U18, U16, Armenia Basketball Federation handles that because they are the overarching body. They are an NGO. Oftentimes people think they're a part of the government. They're not a part of the government. They are an, the chief NGO uh, operating that represents Armenia in FIBA. So you don't have to be a part of the government, but someone has to essentially okay it, which the Minister of Sports and Culture, um, they have approved BFA throughout the entirety of the time um, to be that governing body that allows us mm. to work with. So thankfully, our partnership you know, Armenia basketball being the men's national team and basketball federation of Armenia 
Um, we have a really strong relationship. And, and again, thankfully, my parents moved me from the United States to Armenia in 06. And I immediately got acclimated with, you know, the Basketball Federation of Armenia. I played for a U16 team when I was 10 and 11. We played Georgia. So I got early, experience early exposure in experience in that where I can kind of look back and be like, okay, this is what is needed, or at least from the media landscape, right? Because there's a lot of technical things that we talked about that Basketball Federation is really good at. But from a media perspective of, you know, the narrative of Armenia basketball, U16, U18, U20, then you go to the national team. Okay. So, yeah. That was for Vic. Here you go, Vic. That was your question. There you go. Another really good question. Manelli wants to know merchandise. That jacket. Oh. The windbreaker. I mean, yeah, that windbreaker. She's interested. Sparty. In oh, yeah. Wait, wait till Sparty. you guys see the last. Wait, hold on. Let me show the back of it. Look at that. Ooh. Yeah. Look at that. Let me see. Does it get more Russian? It's not even. A, yeah, it's a Russian design. But um, no, it's, no, it's not, bro. Russian design made in Turkey. <laughs> oh my, come on, don't do that. Yeah. but um, uh, fabric merch. from China. <laughs> so merch, armeniabasketball.com. That's where you can get your merch. Um, this one specifically, you can get it from Basketball Federation of Armenia. This is the Armenian National Olympic Committee one. Um, this is what they wore in the 2016 Olympics. Um, but. The Armenia basketball specific, you can buy jerseys, you can buy t-shirts, uh, sweater, all that stuff. Armeniabasketball.com. Beautiful. That's awesome. We shot reclamar it. It's awesome. That's how the army yeah. says it. Like, and then they're always like twisting it. So. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? The camera's on the power rate more than it is on the actual cast. It is, know? but if it's it happens, so it's there when they're pouring the sense. It's like, like <laughs> <laughs> Duke, <laughs> Oh jeez. Any you guys have any other questions? Anything else before we call it a night? Uh, Greg says, uh, shout out to my old teammate, Narek Kopushian, for his achievements coaching. Yeah, no, Narek also. So, Narek, one thing before, Narek Kopushian is the head coach for the AGBU uh, boys basketball team. He led them to a undefeated season last year, which hadn't been done in AGBU's history. Oh, wow. He put AGBU on the map, actually. AGBU oh, I, state I saw level, that, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah, it all yeah, over yeah, the yeah. news. No, they, they are ranked, and they, you know, in the past two years, the level of success that Kapushin has brought to that organization, insane. Um, and he's a pro Hooper college basketball player from from his day. And and mind you, Narek also undersized guard. 5'10", 5'9", um, and he really made his staple there. And the kids over there bought into a system. He he sold a system. The kids bought into it. It's not an easy system to buy into. And also as a private school with what HBU has probably like 200 students, if I'm mistaken, 400, 300, I'm not sure. But to be able to develop talent and to grow it. And then now he's kind of caused this chain reaction. Some where good players want to join HBU yeah, because not, he's there. And exactly. I mean, you, you got, you got interest coming from different places and also an HBU diploma um is is a little bit more respected i would argue when it comes to admissions than going to like for example where i went to burbank high school right like if which was the case for me if i chose to go through the private school route that would have probably been more beneficial 
for my That's career. For where you would turn up college wise. Yes. Where, wherever I would end up in college. Yeah. yeah. Because A, you're getting the top, you know, education background that you're getting. B, you're essentially going into programs that respect athletics, programs that have breed, you know, bred athletics for a minute. Uh, examples like Harvard Westlake, right? Um, Campbell Hall, Modern Day, all those schools, they understand that the main revenue they're going to get is through ticket sales at the door. Um, well, it may be football or basketball, water polo, whatever it is, but you recognize that that is a part of your revenue as a school in order to be a successful school. And it's a part of your marketing. It's part yeah. of your publicity. Like it's important, right? Like what my dissertation was about, you know, uh, when the Soviet Union would win a gold medal, the first thing they would do is like, this is our stature in the rest of the world. So same thing with schools on a local basis. AGBU can then argue, hey, we're an elite school. And then your admission process becomes a lot easier because you're getting a lot of young kids that believe in what you're providing on the athletic level and they want to be a part of it. Better yeah. choices. Better and so, right? Better choices for the coach. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and Narek is, I definitely wanted to mention Narek's success there because he has completely turned around um, what Armenian private school basketball was considered at least as a public school player myself, I was right. Like my dad would say back then, and and I'll be very clear when I say this back then, why would you go to an Armenian private school? We can't afford it. Oh, you're going to go the, for basketball. Are they covering the scholarship like that? Yeah, those, these are the conversations we're having. And it's now the right if, questions and it's the right question. And it's like, Oh, we can, we can do this. Oh, and we can rally people around. And like, you got a program at Pilibos, for example, like Antobalian and, um, and Eric Honanian, um, Nick Altunian potentially coming over from from another school. So you're noticing teams are like kind of like the Armenian schools are getting better. Like Antobalian, he's a top 10 scorer in all of California. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore at Pilibos dunking on Paul George's travel basketball team. His father was a great basketball player too, Sokobalian. And Anto. It, like being the top 10 scorer he was in California, averaging, what is it, 28 or 29 points as a sophomore is insane. Shit. Insane. Yeah, in high school, that's, that's Dude, a high number. Insane that's stuff. That's a 15-year-old. Oh, wait, let me tell you about this other kid. Hold on. Greg Gazarian. Greg Gazarian, he's at St. Francis. He was a number one skier, okay? Skier. skier. Yeah. He had... Per- Who fuck skier? <laughs> Dude, where was he skiing? Dude, skiing? Dude yeah. lived in Mammoth for six months <laughs> oh, and six shit. months in L.A. Aspen. <laughs> We're in the Rockies. (laughs) (laughs) I expected the Rockies to be a little rockier than this. Yeah, John Denver guy's full of shit. Reminded me of Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) It is Dumb and Dumber. (laughs) What'd you think? It was Godfather? (laughs) (laughs) Harry, I gotta go to the bathroom. Just go, man. Oh, just go, man. That's really warm. How did this even? Oh, because Aspen. Uh, Aspen. Uh, so you see, with one word, we, like, we, it just even, triggers us. Uh, why is that? Yeah, no, no. But I, I want to finish my thoughts because th- this this is actually insane. Um, this kid literally lived in Mammoth for six months. His dad is a was a professional cyclist, and his grandpa gold medalist. Okay, Olympics, crazy family. The grandson Greg, who goes to St. Francis, Greg m- doesn't want to play, doesn't want to ski, and the U.S. national skiing team is reaching out to him saying, "We want you on the 2026 team." And this dude's like. 
I want a scholarship for, I want, I want to go chase that scholarship for basketball. He loves basketball, but he just happens to be really freaking good at skiing. And guess what? This guy is now getting offers and scholarships for his basketball as well. Dude, oh, as well. Dude was already getting reached Double out for Ivy Leagues. Joe Gomez, like Ivy Leagues, it's gone. Osman, please ski for, for us. us. Yeah. And this guy's like, I just want to play basketball. And now he's getting <laughs> looks from UCSB, uh, USD, UC Irvine. I didn't even know Cal- colleges had ski skiing, man. I, especially in Cali. East Coast. East Coast. Okay, but in, yeah. okay, but in California, oh, dude, I mean, we have the best slopes with Mammoth, <laughs> Big Bear, Mammoth, Big Bear, best Big slopes, bear. really. It's <laughs> not even ma- ma- snow, well, bro. Mammoth, maybe Mammoth, bro. Utah. You don't like, you really our, you don't like our fake snow. You really, really well, ma- think that snow? <laughs> the Mammoth is Mammoth. Yeah, yeah. no, Mammoth. No, is Mammoth. Yeah, but, Mammoth. Yeah, no, no, Big, Bear. Big Bear. Big Bear. Yeah, I, was like, I had more snow in my backyard. Yeah, Nico's birthday than. Bro, I have more snow in my freaking ice machine in my fridge. In my fridge right the ice machine. I'm just oh, imagining God. you at home like, <laughs> no, man, you just put it on crush mode and push it. Crush mode. <laughs> Come on, kids, it's snowing. lies to yeah. the kids. Kids, it's snowing yeah, in the backyard. Get your skis out. <laughs> when you do scholarship. <laughs> I, I hear UCLA has an open spot. <laughs> Oh, Jesus You Christ. look pretty good at skiing, bro. You've done that a couple uh, times. Rich, Greg is asking about uh, Jack Galagian, the head of Academy USA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're family friends, actually, so, Greg. So so Jack Galagian is, I, I I have, you know, if I get to say this, and I, and I truly mean it, I'd like to consider him a mentor. So, so Jack, he is one of those people behind the scenes is – helping Armenia basketball so much. And and Jack, he's a very private person. That's why I'm like, you know, I, I know he doesn't like the spotlight, the limelight of talking about him. But um, let's just say he's the person that put Armenian basketball on his feet. Like when wow. I mean that he scouted me and I didn't even know this person scouted me because he didn't, you know, maybe guy it was just so about Armenia basketball and not in individuals in itself that he is a part of the, bigger goal. He's always trying to communicate that bigger goal, which is exactly the reason why he built Academy USA, right? He converted an old warehouse, raised the roof on that thing so you can actually score the hoop instead of like realizing that you're hitting the roof. So, um, and, and you know, he added a coding class where students at Academy USA go to Automat next door, which is teaching, you know, helpful coding skills. So oh, wow. he, and not only that, but this, this Academy USA gym, also is home to the best trainers in America, like Olin Simplis, for example, right? Olin Simplis, Lebanese Belizean basketball player that is now the reason why Shea Gilgis Alexander is having such a great season. He is his private trainer. Spencer Dinwiddie, Olin Simplis also trains him. So he's turned Academy USA into the place to be as a professional athlete. Um, the basketball courts have NBA range, FIBA range, WNBA range, college range, all of that. And Jack takes these things into consideration and he looks at the youth of Armenia basketball and he's like, not only do we need to build Armenia, but we need to build diaspora as well. Because, you know, he's he's also helping with major, like currently there's a, a, 14, a 14U and a 16U tournament, I believe, that is currently being assisted and sponsored by Academy USA. Nice. And he's in Armenia right now. So, so How many I'm, courts are there when you say... At Academy, FIBA at Academy USA, there's three NBA regulation-sized courts there. So you have three courts to choose from. One is the red, one is the blue, one is the orange court, uh, which is done uh, a little bit more on the yellow. Uh, so the logo is Academy USA, but the Academy has red, blue, and orange in it. 
Sora Nagwin. But it's or very, Tirana but it's, what but, a man. but what I, but what I love it is, about it is that, um, that orange is more of a yellow. So we've stapled it as more of the yellow court, but in terms of like what he's doing, it's the doing and less talking that I really love about Jack. He does it. He doesn't talk about it. He walks the walk, bro. He doesn't. And you guys can try his yogurt, Greek yogurt. Yeah. It's called Voskos. Yeah. Uh, again, he was so private. I was like, does he even want me to reclam Voskos right now? <laughs> I didn't even know he owns Voskos. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah. Well, there you go. If you look at the packaging, it says Sun Valley on the back. Yeah, I've been to his uh, plant years ago. It's right with, off the floor. With Joe. Joe, if you're here, Joe, remember we went to Voskos together. It was like 2011, I think. Oh, well, cool, back. man. I, I remember, what is it, like 2012, one of my basketball tournaments had Voskos there. And I'm like, man, I'm like, is this another uh, Greek yogurt that's not Greek? <laughs> it turns out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> it's a but Greek no, but, yogurt made by an Armenian. But Jack is Greek Armenian. He's about Huna Hayen. And, um, and, you know, I, I, if that, you know, if that says anything, but I, I think it adds more credibility, but. Uh, when, when a Greek person goes like here yogurt <laughs> it's, it's funny when it. I was in Greece they, they had it in their menu it says Greek yogurt Greek salad I'm like not just ex- yogurt I'm like oh, yeah I would expect in Greece for it just to just say yogurt, yogurt. not Greek yogurt <laughs> or salad or salad they're like no it's Greek salad oh okay <laughs> with, the, with the feta I'll, and I'll the olives the, and all stuff I'll take the Greek salad <laughs> with the Greek yogurt uh Rich, we want to thank you for taking time to be with us, man. We really appreciate it. It was long overdue. And I, I like how, for those of you that are that tuned in late, go to the beginning of the podcast, listen to it, like it, share it. Obviously, subscribe to the channel if you haven't. And you'll see uh, why Rich hasn't been uh, doing the geopolitics. But we thank you for introducing us to Rex. We thank you for everything you're doing with Armenian basketball and the youth and uh, spreading awareness about what you can achieve with Armenia and Armenian basketball, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you guys. And if I can have a, a last word, because I, I recognize how, how, you know, uh, how much I'm late, or I, I should say as, as I grow older, I recognize how important time and energy is. Yeah. And I want to say truly, thank you for taking me for more than three hours because you guys have had me for more than five hours on this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is a lot of rich, you know, that is too much, but well, we I, just did the two hours for my yeah. blood, yeah. but no, no, truly. Thank you guys. What you guys do. Um, I appreciate, you know, the conversations you guys have, right. Um, majority. <laughs> I mean, look, it's, it's like the conversation, the tough conversations, right. You know, the conversations that, you know, are being swept under the rug and whatnot. And I, I constantly feel like, you know, as Armenians, we have to collaborate much more than find reasons to not. Um, and, you know, Armenia basketball being one of the reasons too. So if there's one thing I can say, thank you guys for everything. Thank you guys for having me. And thank you for supporting Armenia basketball because I hope in 20 years we can all be drinking cognac together and say, this is what we talked about yeah. way years back. Yeah. That'd be, well, let's do it. Let's I, do it. Man. I wouldn't be surprised if they ask President Biden. Do you know the one? Yeah, of course I know those guys. I watched your show. Some they make fun of me all the time. Come on, Mac. Everybody. Are you subscribed? <laughs> Why well, is not smart? Come on. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, man. Come on. If I can leave you with one word, it's uh, just put it <laughs> What was that word again? It was a uh, foot. <laughs> oh, jeez! Thank you, guys. Eighty-one million votes, uh, guys. Thank yeah. you so much for tuning in today. Today's podcast again was brought to you by Manscape. Go visit manscape.com. Use promo code Wise Nuts, twenty percent off and free shipping. 
We thank every single one of you for tuning in. I know it was a Laker game today. Everybody was tuning into that as well. So uh, we thank you guys for watching us and tuning in after the game. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. We're going to be doing a taser example on one of us. So one of us is going to be a victim of a taser. I um, hear. Taser, wow. We'll just we'll, just, we'll leave it at that. Thank God you invited <laughs> me on this game. <laughs> so... Uh, uh, we'll we'll see you guys next week. We'll leave you at that. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. We love you guys. Bye. Peace. Thank you.